Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Timothy. That's right. Timothy's here. <laughs> you, Timothy's you here to talk about <laughs> menstruating with me. Uh, we talk about horror movies oh on this show. And this is uh, our horror movie podcast. And on this episode we are going to talk about Carrie. Because it was the winner of this month's Patreon vote. Uh, every month on patreon.com slash TV, our patrons at the $5 tier up get to vote between four films and uh we had four uh was it four steven no it was four school related <laughs> movies that's what it was it yeah. was four <laughs> back to school movies because it's uh september before we get to today's movie though of course we do have movie news to talk about horror movie news there is always a, a time time stamp in the description if you want to skip ahead to the movie discussion um and before we start the news though i do want to take this time to remind you that for the Toberthon this year we're doing a community vote for the top 50 best horror movies there'll be a, a two-part results show with me and tim announcing the winners but basically you send in your top 25 or top 50 horror films ranked in order number one through 25 or 50 uh, and your number one gets the most points your your final placement gets the least points of course and based on that there'll be a, a top 50 as voted for by you guys so you can send that to mftvquestions at gmail.com so please do keep sending them in the deadline is the 20th of October and the two-part results show will be sometime uh, at the end of the Octoberthon. So look for that. If you if you aren't sure what to put on your list, just uh, shoot me an email and I'll let you know what movies you should have on it. Uh, well, I don't feel like <laughs> the boy getting number one. So how about we don't do that? And Chopping Mall is a perfectly eligible film for this list, just for the record. That counts as horror, despite what Tim might otherwise say so horror slash sci-fi got it <laughs> <laughs> how dare you anyway we got movie news to talk about uh so first up so you know how we've been mm-hmm. through this this whole legal kerfuffle let's call it with we fr- have- well, not not us personally, but <laughs> we universally have been going through this legal problem with Friday the Thirteenth and its rights because sure. the writer is entitled to get the rights back, but the producer Sean Cunningham and co are disputing this and it's tangled the rights up. It's a whole web. It's a whole web. Um, so here's an interesting thing: um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. has hit that deadline, that thirty-five year deadline, where it can now revert back to the creator. The creator, of course, in this case is Wes Craven, but what's interesting uh, here is that it still counts, and Wes Craven's estate now owns the rights to the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, or at least, uh, not necessarily the movie itself. I think, you know, Warner Brothers still own the rights to like sell it and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, I believe they now own the rights to uh, Freddy Krueger. Oh, cool. Uh, at least in the uh, US, not, not worldwide, just the US rights. It's worth mentioning that. Jeez, so weird. Which is annoying uh, because it just t- makes things even weirder when they, they have to make a movie. Because obviously movies get made for everywhere, so they have to get the you know that's the whole thing. Yeah. Wait, so you said it, it's a, a thirty-five year time frame for like, for movies of this period. Yes, I don't, I don't know if this is still true now. Like I don't know if movies made now have this this thing, but there was a thing at the time, and this is what Victor Miller from Friday the Thirteenth was in was sort of using is that there was a clause in a lot of the contracts back then. After 35 years, the writer would regain the rights to the original work and the, the creations. Oh, okay. So 35 years from the original movie. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking it has to be like 35 years from like the last 
you know, whatever thing that they did. So I was going to say like, oh, well, like the remake was just what, like nine years ago or something. Uh, but okay, that makes sense though. The detective work from Tim is <laughs> unprecedented. What? I I took like maybe one law class in a, in college. I'm not an expert. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but yeah, so... That's cool though. I mean... Uh, yeah, if I, I feel like you know the people keep talking about um, you know wanting another nightmare uh, movie, and I think Robert England uh, might have even said that he has like maybe one more Freddy movie in him. Uh, so I mean, I, I you know I've said it before; it's my my favorite franchise. So I'd love to see you know one more crack at it. Uh, you know, definitely would hope <laughs> that it's uh, that it would be good, but it could be cool. Yeah, I, well, people well... are. What's good about this one compared to the Friday the Thirteenth one is that no one's making a like a claim, like no no one's disputing that this is a thing. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema still own the international rights for everything, and really all this will probably mean is that when they make new Nightmare on Elm Street movies, should that happen, it just means that West Graham's estate probably gets a bigger cut of the pie because they have cool. to actually be you know licensed from them i i'm yeah. thinking not the exact same because it's a lot more murky but like you know how like superman's you know the, the seagull estate and the schuster estate have to be you know credited now and stuff like that whenever superman's uh brought up it, you know always says special agreement with the the estate um i don't think it'll say that in these movies but i think they'll have to like you know they'll have to look them in and pay them a decent you know producer fee or whatever uh when they make one which isn't a bad thing yeah. So. Oh no, that yeah, that's definitely great. Yeah, um, people should get paid for uh, the stuff they create. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's good to see. Like you know, uh, if something happens, is some money going to the Craven estate? Yeah, I mean, at least in this case, if this wasn't the, what was happening, like Wes Craven went on to have a very lucrative career for decades. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah. Victor <laughs> Miller, who did Friday the Thirteenth, can you name me one other thing that he's done? Uh, <laughs> you no, can't <not> really. <laughs> you can't so you know i get why he's like no i'm taking my creation back damn it uh, yeah and of course with, with uh, friday the 13th as well he never did the sequels it's like well jason and the hockey mask does he own the rights to that because technically that was never a friday the 13th original thing true, so yeah. there's a lot of murkiness to it uh yeah. but hey uh you could almost get into that 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 realm that, uh, remember how like Ashby's Evil Dead could only reference the first two movies for the first season. They couldn't mm. reference Army of Darkness because they didn't have the rights to reference Army of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you could almost get into that weird kind of market thing. We can't mention Jason's mother. We can't. We can't mention. We can't even mention his name is Jason. Yeah. He's just a hockey mask wearing maniac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the legal battles. It's the uh, you know dreaded enemy of every like nerd. <laughs> out there like we just want to see like the stuff we like we don't care about uh i know well i mean obviously we care about like you know the original creators and stuff but then like all these corporations and loopholes and stuff uh in the background it's uh it can be very frustrating sometimes you kind of hear it but there's like three dogs barking very loudly and consistently in the distance outside Ooh. and I, all i can think is there's a terminator nearby because you know dogs are designed to uh sense terminators <laughs> designed sure <laughs> i mean trained trained to sense terminators designed <laughs> okay <laughs> i guess that's something one person will get <laughs> what that's a plot beating both terminator one and two how dare you yeah how dare you anyway <laughs> movies that people watch all the time 
Yes. They're the Terminator <laughs> and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. They are movies that people watch all the time. They're two of the most loved movies in the history of cinema. Sure. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Next up. Next up. Uh, Fede Alvarez uh, is producing the next Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I was excited until I heard about the next part. What Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> oh, uh, did you, well, did you see the thing they said where uh, it's going to be a sequel to the first movie? Again? Yeah, it's, a, it's another. Uh, all right, we're going back. I just, I'm, I'm so done with this. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Is, is there a term for this? These like you know mashup <laughs> timelines where. People are just ignoring all the movies. Like it's it, it's fine. Just everything exists. Just go with it. Do whatever new movie. It, you know, make it crazy. It's, it's just such a uh, you know. I forget I... who it was, but I saw someone tweet about it. And they said it was a coward's uh, way of, of making a movie, which I agree with. I think uh, you know people are afraid to embrace you know these uh, franchises that have uh, arguably less than great <laughs> continuity. Uh, but I, I think you know a talented filmmaker can uh, and should embrace that and make it work. And um, yeah, so I, I like Freddie Alvarez, but uh, d- d- let's face it, he's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not necessarily saying it in this case because I think with Texas Chainsaw and all the slasher movies, like you don't have to even reference the sequels. You could just do sure. another story with you know the, like, the yeah. killer going after people. It's fine. I will say though that I do think there are cases, and I think Halloween's a good example of this actually. Mm-hmm. Where the continuity gets so silly with everything they introduced that sometimes I think you have to ignore some of the sequels to f- just go back to what the movie's supposed to be. Like, you know, after Halloween 6 with the, the cult and, like, Michael is, like, destined <laughs> to do this and all that, are you really upset at Halloween H2O for, like, you know what, just Halloween 1 and 2 existed. Let's this, this forget the sure, rest. Sure, I guess, but, I don't know, it, it still irks me. Uh you know just i don't like it it's like it makes me feel like you know people are just shitting on all these other movies which you know and it's like hey you know people did work on those and you know some of them are good some of them are not and uh and i mean i guess it doesn't matter because texas chainsaw already has like a super messed up timeline like uh i couldn't even tell you like uh, okay the- every, every time we do this i need to say it this way but okay so texas chainsaw massacre had four movies and then it had a remake a prequel to the remake and mm-hmm. then a sequel to the original that ignored all the other sequels, and then it mm-hmm. had a prequel to the original, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, super easy to follow. Uh, yeah, who super doesn't? Easy. <laughs> super easy. Um, interestingly, uh, the last one that came out, Leatherface, that prequel I just mentioned there, that final one, we, we did that in Octoberthon 2017 when it came out. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting is that that movie was destined not to have sequels in any way because the rights reverted back to writer Kim Henkel of the original film before that film even got released. They made the movie and while they were waiting to release it, which they were still allowed to do, he got the rights back. So he's making more money off this now at least. So I mean, that's one good thing to like oh, about cool. yeah. this, this new movie. Um, I mean, I like Alvarez as well. I wonder if the Hooper estate gets any, any cut of that. No, I think I think in this case it was specifically a writer thing, like because the writer created yeah. the you know, uh, the characters and the story uh, and that kind of thing. But I I do, I will say this. I I you know I would like say a good it. Texas Chainsaw Ma- Massacre. Was that okay? I said say it. <laughs> I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Damn it. Um. So you know, like maybe they'll go for something more serious. I will say 
I really liked uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Not because it was a good movie per se, mm. but that movie's a blast. And I was listening to yeah. a podcast this week, and I was hearing people Uh-oh. shit all over it. They hated Texas Chainsaw 3D. They, they were they were praising like the third one over it. They were praising other movies over it. And I was like, no, you know what? No, I like Texas Chainsaw 3D. It may be my second favorite, the franchise. It may I, I, just I mean- be. <laughs> I think that's a little extreme, but like I, I, I agree. I liked it uh, as well, and I do feel like. Well, what's the um, what's the only one you'd put over it really? Two, because two is pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think like the first one is a masterpiece. Uh, I think the second one is a, a lot of fun, um, and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it gets like kind of weird uh, from there, and then, um, yeah, three's I mean, watchable. I think 3D... You know, three's yeah, watchable. Like... Four's a complete garbage fire <laughs> for uh i was just thinking about it, it's funny because before this i was just um actually talking about, about this with a friend because he's uh mentioning the movies he was going to be watching um for october and he had uh the remake in there and then we kind of get into a little discussion about that which uh, i feel like a lot of people have fondness for the remake and i wonder if it is just people in our age group maybe around the time when it went out maybe it was like more well, beloved Joe's but... funny tim is that I, I remember being more fond of it as well not loving it but like i remember thinking it was all right yeah and when good. we did it two years ago in the build-up to the new one coming out um i was much more negative on it like watching it yeah. again with the, the fresh eyes and ha- after watching the you know the, all the previous films totally. in the franchise yeah. i mean I, li- I still like it. i mean it's better than four like it's better than next generation mm-hmm. i i was thinking <laughs> to next year you know how sometimes when like uh like the re-release movies they'll do like a new cover that kind of like makes a point of pointing out like uh, a star who wasn't a star when the movie was made but you know like how oh, yeah. like you know i mean this, that didn't really happen with the cover but you know how like cabin the woods finally came out after thor was a hit it was like hey chris hemsworth's mm-hmm. in this put it out yeah. we've got a star in it now right i i love the idea of someone re-releasing texas chainsaw in the next generation but calling it bridget jones's survival <laughs> <laughs> You know that, that you know what that sounds like is like that would be uh, you know when they uh, release like a movie like in another country and it just has like some crazy <laughs> title um, that like has nothing to do with the movie. That's what uh, that's what it sounds like to me. Oh yeah, um, I remember sitting looking through a list of wacky titles and you know foreign well, titles for movies in there. Well, some I, I think pretty uh, silly. there's uh, some other movie that uh, I, I think it's Italian, but like there's some movie that's like called texas chainsaw massacre 3 i think it's like night killer or something like that mm. <laughs> and um yeah that's right here. all i have to say about I, I just googled foreign movie titles and it gave me a list of i won't do all 51 don't worry yeah. <laughs> but just a couple of examples to see what i'm talking about here um ghostbusters 2016 and mm-hmm. china was called superpower dare die team <laughs> okay the full monty was cut co- in china was called six naked pigs that's pretty funny <laughs> actually yeah <laughs> die hard with a vengeance in denmark was called die hard mega hard <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> italy called eternal sunshine of the spotless mind if you leave me i delete you which is very descriptive <laughs> of the movie admittedly uh, yeah, I actually like that title a lot. <laughs> uh, Germany called airplane the unbelievable trip in a wacky aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't argue. Uh, oh, China boogie nights. His powerful device makes him famous. 
I've never seen Boogie Nights, but I'm going to assume that's referring to his penis. <laughs> <laughs> and one final one from me before we move on, uh, unless Tim's got something he wants to say, but uh, being John Malkovich in Japan is called the Hole of Malkovich. <laughs> I'll leave that one there. It's a good one. Uh, I I forget exactly what it is, but the best one I've ever heard is uh, the I I think it's the Japanese title for Army of Darkness, which uh, I forget exactly what it is, but I think it's like Captain Supermarket or something. <laughs> like that. <laughs> that does sound sound good. Oh man, Spain's title for a Dark Knight is great. It's called Knight of the Night. The first night with a K, the second one without. Knight of the <laughs> Night. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, so a uh, new, new Texas Chainsaw sequel, obviously, a new franchise entry in any of our old slasher franchises is always kind of exciting for us, I think, even if it ends up being terrible. Oh, yeah, I feel like I was coming down on it too negative because of the whole chopped up timeline thing, but in actuality, this is really good news because uh, I do like Freddy Alvarez and, uh, you know, I like the Texas Chainsaw franchise and, um, you know, getting a good director attached to a, you know, franchise I like is, is Which, very exciting. To be fair, just to clarify, he's not directing this, he's, he's producing... Oh, okay. He's producing it, okay. but he's not directing himself. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's still uh, still pretty exciting. Um, yeah. Uh, so is that part of the? Uh, because he usually works with a uh, Ramy, right? Uh, so far he has. Yeah. Uh, has yeah. This Ramy's production so, company's done a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. But this I is if he would be like involved at all. Or... I mean, this is legendary entertainment, legendary pictures, um, that are working on okay. it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Ramy's company won't be involved. But yeah. I mean this could be something he's doing separately i mean i you know i like this director i you know i loved evil dead remake i loved uh i should say don't reboot breathe. not remake i loved i love don't breathe as well so mm. you know i guess he's not directing here but i mean if his touch is felt in this at all it can only be a good thing because cool. let's face it the last you know movie Leatherface was pretty rough so oh yeah it was, no, it was awful <laughs> yeah it's pretty rough so you liked it i didn't like it but what the hell are we talking about? I hate it. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, anyway, uh, next up. Uh, so a long-lost George Romero film is uh, coming yes. out this year. Oh. Uh, yes. So <laughs> it's called The Amusement Park, and it was actually a Damn PSA right that was con- commissioned uh, for, for TV, but it was never released. It's only 60 minutes long. It's not like, you know, super, you know, like a full feature length movie necessarily, even though even though 60 minutes, I think, at least at the time would have counted as feature length. It's, you know, not quite. Hey, I mean, the shorter a movie is, the better for me now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you say that a couple of weeks in after the, seeing It Chapter 2, that three yeah, hours long. In the, in the world of like, you know, everything is like three hours now. Like, ooh, give me that 60 minute movie. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, so it's a. Uh, so I, I was actually not sure you even put this in the news because when I read the start of this, I'm like, was well, it even a horror movie? Is it a horror thing? I mean, I know it's George Romero, but like, mm-hmm. is it a horror story? Here's the description: An elderly gentleman sets out for what he thinks will be a normal day at an amusement park and is soon embroiled in a waking nightmare, the likes of which you've never seen. That sounds like a horror movie. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah. Oh, I man, I I wish I could be there for it. I. Uh, you know, uh, they're, I believe they're only uh, playing it in uh, somewhere in, uh, is it Pittsburgh or Philadelphia? Yeah. Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, my homestay, as everyone knows, I was born in Pennsylvania. Uh, born and maybe raised be... on the playground <laughs> you spent most of your days. Yeah. Uh, I mean, only three years <laughs> I, I lived there, but uh, yeah, I visit the family there often. Uh, and hey, maybe it, maybe it might be time to <laughs> go, go visit uh, grandma and grandpa. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, give them a quick hello and then uh, shoot on down to old uh, wherever the heck this is playing. Um, <laughs> this is exciting. This could be, uh, I mean, the the best news I've ever heard. Can, um, I, can, I, can I just <laughs> point out here? He was tasked with yep. making a PSA on age discrimination and turned it into a, a horror movie <laughs> set in an amusement park. Like I, Hell yeah. I, I don't even know where to begin with this, but this was then shot in 1973. So this was... Um, five years, years Star Wars. Well, I was gonna say five years after Night of the Living Dead, so right in between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead was Star what, Wars. what I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> what does Star Wars have to This is a horror podcast, Tim. Horror, horror movies. Yeah, I mean, I love Romero. Uh, shout out to one of Pennsylvania's greats, um, George Romero. Mr. Rogers, born in the same hometown as me, and um, uh, and of course, uh, I'll put myself on that list. <laughs> Uh, the creator of Goatman. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, wait are you from, were you born in Philadelphia? No, God no. No, oh, okay. Well, I was. <laughs> my 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 Fresh Prince joke didn't really land as well as it should have yeah. done then. See, I, see, P, I'm on the I, I was on the born on the West End uh, of PA, so yeah, I'm a little more I'm a little more Pittsburgh uh, adjacent. Yeah, that's why I root okay. for the Steelers, not the Eagles. You know. Um, but yeah, you, you, you have always looked so like many... a th- you've always looked like a thief. Now that you mention it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's just uh, yeah, there's just got to be something in the water there that just creates talent, you know. <laughs> uh... <laughs> okay, I'll give a shout about Mister Rogers, and I've yet to see talent from you. So I mean, I'll give you Romero. I'll give you Romero. <laughs> I just noticed uh, one of the few movies of his I haven't seen, Night Riders, is uh, mm. on uh, Prime, so I might be giving that a watch soon. Yeah. Not, not necessarily horror. Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah, I think it's more of a. Otherwise, I don't know if it's an action movie, but it's definitely. I think it's, it's less of a horror. Yeah, it's not more. It's it's yeah, it's more about uh, <laughs> like uh, like games and stuff. I think, but uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's a cool. Um, uh, I did I Monkey be... Shines as well. It's a great movie of his. Uh, <laughs> I've not seen it, but there is a vote for it. A no. uh, public vote. I actually, didn't mention that earlier. There's a no. public vote for uh, the the one of the, one of the votes for Octoberthon, uh, which you have until the end of the month to to go to. I mean, by the time this uh, goes up tomorrow, you'll have maybe a week and a half or something like that. But there is a link in the description to the public vote, which is uh, Animal Attack movies, and Monkey Shines is one of the mm. options. Uh, yeah. But you may want to vote for one of those. So, no, you don't. <laughs> Monkey Shines is great, and uh, I know we usually rate movies, not people, on the podcast, but. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll just say it. If I was going to rate George Romero, I'd give him a 10 out of 10. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> I don't know if I'd go with a 10. I mean, I remember being kind of uh, tuned out of the original crazies, if I recall. You, you horrid, horrid <laughs> little man. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I guess uh, it's just no accounting for people not born in Pennsylvania. And also, I and guess. also Land of the Dead. <laughs> I mean, we've not, we've not done those newer Dead trilogy movies yet, but Land of the Dead. I've not seen Diary or, or Survival yet, although I've heard nothing but horrendous things. But Land of the Dead was pretty weak. I'll, you know, I'll put that out there. Moving on. Moving on. What's the, <laughs> what's the next bullet point you got? Yeah, you, you, have, you, no got you have no defense. You just want to choose the topic. Uh, Another dead man you want to make fun of? <laughs> Okay. Let's go back to Wes Craven. Like Wes Craven, great, great <laughs> filmmaker, but he had a his share of turds in that filmography. Another ten out of ten person. Vampire in Brooklyn, Swamp Thing, Cursed. That man had some stinkers. 
Hey, it doesn't. You know what? You, you can't blame a movie on just one person. There's a, a, lot, a lot of people worked on those, and you know, maybe maybe Wes did the best he could. All right. So we'll leave it at that. West the best. West the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam Raimi is producing a feature adaptation of a horror short that was called Bedtime Story. So okay. uh, directed by Lucas Polino and I... See if it's Angel, but there's an accent on the A. How do you pronounce that? Is it Angel? <laughs> sure. Angel. Sounds about right. Angel Torres. Uh, it's a horror show called Bedtime Story. It's been set for future adaptation. Uh, Deadline's reporting this. Sam Raimi's going to produce, as he does a lot of things these days, uh, with his uh, ghost house company. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Bedtime Story, here's the description. Two young brothers, after hearing their mother's haunting bedtime story, are terrorized when it comes to life. Fairly simple premise. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't realize, um, you know, Raimi was looking for shorts to produce. I mean, maybe I... I don't know, maybe, maybe I should throw my hat in the ring there. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if he's looking at comic books yet, Tim. You may have to... Yeah, if... well, I, I, mean, I know. I'm, I'm saying I could do a short. You, you could do a short, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, a video function on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Speaking, speaking of, actually, something else Remy produced. Uh, <gasps> the Grudge remake oh that's right yes, yes uh, from yes, 2004 right. and mm-hmm. presumably by extension the sequels although I'm not, i don't remember if he specifically was a producer on those or not but um yeah. so <laughs> better news so we're getting a new grudge movie next year it's coming out is it a movie or a tv show <laughs> i forget or is, is it both it's a movie it's, it's a movie is, wasn't there a next netflix show as well well i don't recall that actually that's something i forgot to mention see that texas chainsaw movie news apparently there's also a uh, possible of a tv show as well <laughs> what why okay whatever um <laughs> yeah maybe maybe it'll be Leatherface touring the the, the countries like so i mean the pilots the texas chainsaw massacre but episode two is the <laughs> the the pennsylvania yeah. chainsaw massacre episode three you get 50, 50 episodes baked into yep. the premise I mean, according to a quick internet search, it says Netflix developing series based on Jew on the Grudge. Huh. Uh, okay. <laughs> the sad part of this is I probably talked about this in the TV news at some point with Connor, but... Uh... Well, I mean, the problem is, is we just know too much stuff nowadays. Like, you, you, I feel like you hear about, like, 50 things every day and, like, two of them, you know, ever become a reality. Oh, sure. Uh, so I mean, who who knows if that's even legit? If it'll happen, or if it'll have anything to do with the movie, or maybe they're turning it into a movie. I don't know. But what the hell were you saying? It's not, it's not about a new Grudge movie. What are yeah, you yeah. talking about? So the uh, director and co-writer uh, Nicholas uh, Pesci, which for the record oh. is the director of The Eyes of My Mother, which was a really well-directed movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Remember that yeah, that, that, that short black and white yeah. movie? It was like seventy minutes. It was it was a really stylish, artful little like you know. Yeah, like. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that was, that was, that was uh, 2016 that came out. We did that. You can go find our review of that from a while ago. Yeah. But um, maybe maybe we did in 2017. But um, yeah, so he, he was in an interview and confirmed that this new one actually takes place in the same universe as the 2004 film. So it's actually, a, it's basically oh, cool. The Grudge 4, or the American one. Nice. <laughs> and not um, so this goes against what you were saying earlier. This <laughs> is not retconning and taking out the sequels. Although, yeah. So I mean, Pesci is—he's uh, not a coward. He, he's uh, <laughs> <laughs> bravely taking on 
the Grudge franchise. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's just the same universe. Apparently, it's set during the same time, though. Uh, was Sarah Michelle Gellar was doing her thing in Japan, and this is what is happening in America at the same time, which is interesting given the premise of the grudge, but sure. Oh, cool. That's what they're doing. That's yeah. what they're doing. Hey, I, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm excited for this. You, you know, I'm a grudge guy. Uh, I wonder. GG, they call me. I wonder if that means that it's not going to be the same house. Well, obviously not the same house, but I wonder if that means it's not going to be the same, like, ghost. It's not going to be. Uh, uh, Kayako. It's going to be like an American like revenge that created the grudge. Like you know, a new a different grudge. <laughs> yeah. It could be. <laughs> yeah. Um That would be my guess. Unless, I don't, you know, unless uh I don't know. Kayako got on a boat <laughs> or something and Yeah, but it's meant to be taking place at the same time America. as the, 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 the remake, so she can't be in two places at once. I don't care how fancy Kayako is. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, next up, RLJE Films has acquired uh, Joe uh, Beagle's new film, VFW, which just had its uh, premiere nice. at Fantastic Fest. Uh, so, VFW uh, stars Stephen Lang, cool, William Sadler, also cool, Martin Cove, and Fred Williamson. Not sure who those, two, those last two are, but they're like the first two. Uh, and VFW, a tight knit group of grizzled military veterans. Uh, just want to have a laid-back night of hard boozing inside their VFW dicks. Too bad for them, though, that a gang of punk drug dealers and supercharged addicts have other plans for their unsuspecting elders. So this is basically a group of pensioners, like, gear up and fight back against, like, yeah. uh, 80s, <laughs> like, roided-out punks. Yes. Yeah. Um, it does sound like a bit of fun. Uh, so this is going to be on in theatres and VOD in the first quarter of 2020. So that, this will be an early 2020 movie. Uh, and so, cool. yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this. I was, uh, another podcast I listened to uh, just had the director on like maybe a week or two ago, and uh, you know it sounded really cool. And um, you know the, the Stephen Lang obviously you know can play a very uh, good old badass, uh, and uh, and I like the premise. Uh, you know, it sounds uh, like it could be really cool, a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I saw some people tweeting like. Um, some reviews of it just, you know, kind of echoing that and, you know, saying it kind of has like some like a sold on, you know, Precinct 13 feels and uh, which oh. all sounds really cool. I'm a, yeah, oh. I'm definitely excited for this one. Compared to Assault on Precinct 13 definitely gives me a, yeah, <laughs> it gives me a semi. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the, I'm pretty sure they're comparing it to the original, not the. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be excited about the, the, the original. Uh, <laughs> Next up, we got some cast announced for the remake, Bloomhouse's remake of The Craft. Okay. You remember The Craft, <laughs> yes. Of course, yeah. That was like a seminal movie growing up. We all love that movie. <laughs> what? Don't, don't speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like people my age love that movie. It's uh, I, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember liking it quite a bit growing what up. What are people here? Well, those like a few years apart is this is like <laughs> it was like a seminal 90s movies like that's that's one of those things you see like uh like an internet headline like only 90s kids will remember i'm a this 90s movie. kid like... <laughs> yeah people people love the craft craft's great i saw the craft okay. for the first time a few years ago and wasn't that keen on it all right what do you want from all right what's, what's your jaded old man what do you know <laughs> you should have seen it when it came out it's not for you <laughs> oh you're the worst uh, so Zoe Lister-Jones is writing and directing the new version of The Craft for Bloomhouse um, cool. and they've announced uh, some casting 
so we already had a uh, Kaylee Spaney, uh, or Kaylee, Kaylee Spaney, sorry, from Pacific sure. Rim Uprising. Uh, yeah. But we now know that Gideon Adlin from The Society, uh, Lovey oh. Sim- Simone from Sella and the Spades, and Zoe Luna from 15, a Quincianara no. story. Wow. This is great. <laughs> I don't know who any of these people yeah, are. Yeah, you don't but... know who any of these people are. I mean, I saw Pacific Rim Uprising, so I assume that was a teenage character from that, but... Uh, Ugh. I couldn't finish that movie. Um, better than the original. No, it's not. It's uh, it really is not. It really is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really uh, know any of these people, but I, I'm assuming they're all good. I don't know. I mean, I like Bloomhouse. They usually seem to like, you know, pick uh, good people on their projects. So I'm sure, sure it'll be fine. I uh, told you that the hit film Truth or Dare. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the they pick people with like really big smiles, uh, which worked for but, that movie. Do you know my problem with Bloomhouse is, is that I can never bloody remember because because they release so much of what comes out in horror now that I just assume everything's Bloomhouse. So I and then I, I second guess <laughs> myself and don't. Don't actually no. Oh shit! No, I don't want that. They're becoming a little bit of a, a remake house. Yes, mm. me. Halloween, Black Christmas, The Craft. Yeah, all not necessarily bl- a bad thing. These can be good movies, but yeah, Black Christmas bizarrely though is um, you know, it was one that we said doesn't really feel like it should be a remake. Yeah. It should just be called something else because it's not really mm. thingy. Um, so I wonder like if that'll be the same for this movie too, because it's like, you know, uh, yeah. Very different. There's nothing like super specific about the story. Like, you know, it's basically just about like, you know, high school witches. Like, I don't think you really, you could Whoa. just do another movie about that. You don't have to remake it. Out of curiosity, but... I pulled up Bloomhouse's list of movies, right? And uh-huh. they have a few things that they've never heard of. And then they had Paranormal Activity in 2009. And that's basically probably why they exist as they do today. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> because Paranormal Activity blew up. And then yeah. they had The Tooth Fairy, and then Paranormal Activity 2, and then Insidious, then Paranormal Activity 3. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, baby makers and sinister and then paranormal activity 4 you can definitely see like a trend that was happening uh throughout yeah. those first few years oh they did dark skies oh my Blumhouse, you're the worst i am so pissed at you for that i saw that movie in theaters and i hated it hated it this was before the show that one um oh we'll have to do it in the show at some point we'll do a oh, Blumhouse month we'll go back and do the notable Blumhouse movies that yeah. uh but yeah they, they, i mean they've done some rough i mean they did the purge movies you know whatever kind of, kind of middling yeah oh Ouija yeah screw them screw them <laughs> bug creep yeah <laughs> is that the new Jim and the holograms movie that wasn't a horror movie oh, oh they did green inferno yeah come oof, on oof, come oof. on yeah I don't no, no I don't know oh but they did hush <laughs> they did the darkness oh my god the darkness was terrible well, I mean, it feels like their bad movies are so forgettable, but then their good movies are so memorable. I think they have more bad than good looking at this list, but yeah, I mean, they've got enough, you know, good stuff. Because they did Get Out, they did Happy Death, they did mm. Creep, did mm. Insidious, of course. Um, you know, this, this, this is interesting. It's interesting, though, because like 2019, they have like 10 movies coming out versus like the two from like 2013. Uh, so they've fully <laughs> geared up in size, uh, and they did math, of course. Uh, all they have for the rest of the year, though, 
Uh, actually, Bloodline's already. Oh, it's because they've got a ton. So what they've got for the rest of the year is Prey on September 27th. Mm. Um, I guess we might cover them. They've got Sweetheart, <laughs> which we'll be talking about actually soon uh, in, the, in the news. Uh, the Gallows Act 2, which is also the end of October. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they got Black Christmas at the end of the year. So okay. we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Anyway uh back to the your regular scheduled news uh jeffrey dean morgan's gonna star in a sam raimi produced horror film called shrine Ooh. sam raimi's back again look at that <laughs> so yes uh so that's a screen gems upcoming oh screen gems is a bad sign i, I feel like i never like earth and screen gems makes but uh oh. shrine is an adaptation of the same titled novel penned by james herbert novel was released back in 1983 Shrine focuses on a disgraced journalist who discovers a series of seemingly uh, divine miracles in a small New England town and uses them to resurrect his career. But the miracles may have a much darker source. Hmm. That could be interesting. This is going to suck. I'm calling it. Yeah. I'm calling <laughs> okay. it. Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till like maybe I see a trailer or something kind of get a little more details about that. But uh, I mean, you know, the, uh, obviously like Raimi, um, you know Jeffrey Dean Morgan's a good actor, uh, and then uh, James Herbert. He's the guy that did uh, he that wrote Dune, right? The Dune books. Ah, uh, that sounds familiar. That sounds right, actually. You know, you've said that. Yeah, I would never which, guess that, but I think you're right. Yeah. Which I mean, I I, I haven't read those books, but <laughs> uh, I, I know people like them, so I'm assuming he's a good writer. Uh, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll 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 put this one as like a wait and see, like a. Uh, like you know it could depend like it could easily suck but uh, I'll, I'll be a little hopeful for now <laughs> okay okay uh next up so the opposite of screen gems is a24 and a24 <laughs> have set what their next horror film is going to be they've acquired oh. the north american rights to writer director rose glasses feature the directorial debut saint maud uh this came out of the Tur- toronto international film festival uh, Saint Maud is a slow and moody and gorgeous and powerful uh, film. It's a psychological religious thriller. Mm. So the movie centers on a <laughs> on a pious but unstable nurse Maud who becomes convinced that she must save the soul of her dying employer Amanda, as signs of eternal damnation begin to present themselves in their isolated seaside town. So. Yeah, uh, not surprised a slow burn. I feel like you, when A twenty four is doing a horror movie, we don't expect it to be a slasher movie with blood and guts every two sure. minutes. You know, we're expecting something a bit more, like The Witch or, uh, yeah. you know, whatever else they've done. So, uh, slice, slice. Yeah, they did slice. <laughs> okay, I take it back. They have one giant blemish <laughs> on their track record. I forgot they did slice. <laughs> Uh, this sounds like it could be cool. I'm tentatively uh, excited for it. <laughs> I'm tentatively excited for it, yes. <laughs> tentatively. Tentatively. All right, uh, we've got a few trailers to talk about. Uh, first one is for a very, very, you know, a nigh film, and that is uh, In the Tall Grass, which is a Netflix movie, which comes out on October 4th, based on a Stephen King and Joe Hill story and we will be doing this in october thon early in the month mm-hmm. so you can look forward to uh, our thoughts on that pretty quickly but um uh, vincenzo natale's directing it who directed cube which mm-hmm. we've never done the show it's more likely to be an ace movie i think because i would say it's mm-hmm. more sci-fi than it's horror although there's definitely some sure. horror 
uh, you know, elements to it. Um, and then, of course, he did Splice, which I was not fond of when I saw it in theaters. But I mean, I like it. I, I it's uh, it's kind of a weird movie. It's like not my favorite or anything, but I think it's fine. Uh, so yeah we got a trailer here's the description uh, when siblings Becky and Cal hear the cries of a young boy lost within a field of tall grass they venture in to rescue him only to become ensnared themselves by a sinister force that quickly disorients and separates them cut off from the world and unable to escape the field's tightening grip they soon discover that the only thing worse than getting lost is being found so mm. what did you think of the trailer that dropped for this uh, I thought it was pretty good I'm uh yeah, I, I'm not 100% sold on it, but uh, I mean, it definitely has a, a lot of things that I like. Uh, I like the premise, the director. Uh, I obviously love uh, Stephen King and Joe Hill. So uh, I would say I, I'm pretty much in for this movie. Um, I I could see it going like either way, though, like the uh, like the trailer I, I thought was good, but uh, it didn't like a hundred percent sell me like uh, I, I don't know, but it's also coming out very soon, so <laughs> I guess we'll know shortly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's got what you need in the trailer. It's got visuals, it's got mm-hmm. sound, and those are, I, fi- I find those are the two main ingredients that you need in, in, yeah. in a trailer: <laughs> is video and sound. Yeah, that worked. Because <laughs> without those two things, I mean, you're just basically sitting in a sure. vacuum uh, looking at a black screen and. That, that does not sell your movie to anyone. I, I, I don't think it works. <laughs> so I think Netflix have made a bold move here and made sure that both video and sound are in place. And mm. as a result, we saw some images. We, we have an idea of what the movie will look like, what the movie will sound like. Mm. And looks and sounds, of course, make up a movie. It makes up the, the whole thing. So <laughs> um, we can okay. rest assured that on October 4th, there will be things on screen. There'll be sound coming from the speakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't right. keep going. <laughs> no, it looks fine. It looks fine. I, like uh, Patrick Wilson's on there, which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, it looks solid from the trailer. I think the worry is mm-hmm. I have with Netflix movies is that a lot of Netflix movies look solid enough in the trailer, and then are kind of dull when you actually see them. That's, yeah. They have this kind of I, relaxed pacing. It's like the, the script feels like it's more of a TV script than it does a, a movie script. And Yeah, I think that's what kind of worries me. Like, I, you know, not not to be prejudiced against Netflix movies because, you know, there are definitely good ones on. You know, it's not unheard of, but I, I think maybe if this was a trailer I saw, like, in a movie theater or something, I might be a little more like, oh, hell yeah, like, can't wait for this uh as opposed to being on Netflix, it's like, okay, we'll see, we'll see. Yes, yeah, you know, the trailer looks fine. Um, yeah. But like you say, not a long time to wait, two weeks or whatever, so mm-hmm. we'll see We'll see uh, how it is. Uh, next up, we got a trailer for a Blumhouse movie. Oh, we mentioned that list that I was going through earlier. Uh, Sweetheart, it's coming out on the 22nd of October on VOD. So this is one, if we have time, we might even squeeze into the Octoberthon itself, although I make no promises, might be an early November uh, uh episode but if you have a look at the trailer which is a very short trailer it's like a minute long it's very much a teaser teaser trailer uh kirstie clemens is in this who i saw in it was a movie called dope it was like the three teenagers 
Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I think she was in that. I think that was that's where okay. I saw her before. Uh, I knew I recognised her face from something. If it's not that, it's definitely a movie like that because it was around that time. Uh, but yeah, it's a movie about Jen, played by her, who finds herself completely alone on a small tropical island after her boat goes down. By day, every ounce of her strength, cunning and courage is strained simply to find food, outlast the elements, and survive. Well, but, wait, 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 wait. This is Sweetheart? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I watched a very different trailer then. What did you watch? <laughs> I, don't know, I just typed in like Sweetheart 2019 Tim, trailer. Tim, this this is why I I always offer to send you links to the trailers we're doing <laughs> so that you don't go and watch something else. <laughs> all right, well, uh, tell me, all right, keep going then. What is that? <laughs> but as the sun sets, Jen's waking nightmare inexor- inexorably grows into terror when a malevolent force comes to stalk the jungle for prey. So, uh, the trailer is one minute long. It's very. It's, it's basically just scenes of her like washing up on the beach and kind of screaming for help and a couple of quick shots of the dark and things like that. There's not a lot in it to really go on the, the trailer itself, um, except that it looks pretty enough. Uh, it doesn't look, you know, like it's some. Isn't isn't there another Bloomhouse movie called Prey? Is that Bloomhouse? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There was a trailer with people on a beach <laughs> recently. Yes, I don't remember talking about it. Okay, because that's what that sounds like. This is. <laughs> I, I can't remember if that was the, the that was the one that was called Prey, admittedly, but I remember talking about a trailer like that. This one okay. looks better because it's just her for just from the small glimpse, and there's no like annoying human drama of them like fighting each other or whatever. It's just like her on her own, maybe try to survive, and uh, maybe to survive she'll have to become someone else, something else. That was that a really be cool. That was a that was a that was a bad <laughs> reference to Arrow for anyone. Who, oh, who oh geez. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad we don't have to do the sweetheart movie I watched because it looked like a really shitty Lifetime movie. Yeah, that, uh, was it even a horror movie? The one you watched? Uh, it seemed more like a thriller. Like okay. it was, you know, it was like one of those ones where, you know, it's like oh, this, uh, you know, divorced mom. Uh, you know, starts going out with this younger guy, but and he's like moving into the family way too fast, and he seems to have like ulterior motives. And I was like, "What is this shit? Like, why are you watching this?" I love the idea that every few, so often Tim's going to watch the wrong movie trailer and come in, and we're going to be talking about <laughs> completely different things. Oh dear. Anyway, so that's uh, that's uh, Sweetheart, and that comes out October twenty second, like we said. So we may squeeze it at the end of the Octoberthon if we have uh, time in those last couple of weeks. But although we do have a pretty book schedule right now. Um, but if uh, not early November, we'll definitely cover that and have a look at it. So, um, and then the final trailer we've got this week is is uh, called the Mortuary Collection, and this is a anthology movie where Clancy Brown in some old age makeup plays a creepy <laughs> host. Uh, it's about a young girl who enters a secret room in a mortuary and learns the backstory of the mortician's favorite deaths. I like that. Describes <laughs> that. Um, the trailer, it's hard to judge trailers for anthologies because it's just a lot of random clips from different sure. stories that are in the movie. Um, it does definitely give me a tone, though. It definitely feels like it's going to be more of a kind of fun pop horror with, like, creatures and, like, mm. you know... Well, maybe not... I, I, when I say creatures, I don't mean, like, big creatures, but, like, there's a lot of spiders, there's a, there's a lot of, like, uh, like creepy crawlies and things like that. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which makes me think it might not be my sort of horror movie, although we'll definitely still look at it. I mean, I, you know, I'll give Ethan a chance, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I like a good anthology movie. I love Clancy Brown. Uh, the uh, you know, it, it sounds like a good idea. 
uh, from one. Uh, I did think it looked kind of weird. Like it looked like a BBC TV show from like the mid two thousands or something. Um, I, I don't know, weird quality to it. But uh, otherwise, I thought it looked fine, except for uh, it does end with like a horrendous, stupid line <laughs> from um, the character. Um, she, the last thing, like she says, she just like looks at the camera and says, "Well, that just happened," which is just like one of those like shitty, <laughs> uh, like dumb throwaway things you see in like when people are trying to be funny, which uh, I hate, I hate, I hate it, I hate it, absolutely hate it. Uh, so, um, yeah, maybe screw this movie. I I was excited until uh, it got to that end, and that's just like. That's like, you know, like every comedy movie always has someone saying, like, I think I just threw up in my mouth or like, oh, that's going to leave a mark. And it's just one of those things that um, it's not clever. It's overused and it's and it's not even like funny or anything. It's just someone commenting on something else that happened and, and stating it. I really don't like that. So I don't know. I, I was kind of hot about this movie, but maybe I'm a little cold now. We'll see. Well, I just happened. Jesus Christ! It's such a stupid thing. Uh, I hate, uh, hate it. Hate it. Well, I know what my new catchphrase is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just black out uh, for a couple <laughs> seconds every time you say it. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. So yeah, it does have a kind of like, yeah, like it, it feels like it's going for that kind of. I'm trying to think of something to compare it to recently in terms of visual style. Like, you know, I've not seen Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark yet, and obviously we'll do that, you know, in the next couple of months when it hits the home video markets. But um, it feels like it almost is going for a similar tone to that in a, in a weird way. Like, it's going for that kind of, like I say, pulpy horror kind of thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to actually, you know, tense just horror. Yeah. Uh, sure. But hey, uh, so that's the Mortuary Collection. So, um, yeah, there you go. That is the news for this week. So I believe this news is attached to Carrie. So I think we're about to talk about that. As Tim freezes, this is a perfect time for it. So uh, back to the your originally scheduled movie discussion. So it's kind of a biggie, actually. Carrie's kind of a classic. Yeah. Uh, so kind of a notable, notable episode to be doing. And yeah. we're going to dive in. We'll start spoiler free. We'll give you a warning before we get into spoilers somewhere in the middle. And that's what we're going to do. So uh, brace yourself for some carry. Uh, actually, before we get started, though, just a couple of things I want to remind you about. We are going to have a live stream as part of the Octoberthon. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a big live stream um, on the 21st of October at 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, and 2 a.m. <laughs> UK. Uh, we're going to have a live stream, uh, which is something that we're going to do monthly if we hit a Patreon goal, but we're doing a special sort of one-off version right now for Octoberthon, uh, where me and Tim will be here live, we'll talk to you guys uh, on YouTube on, on that time and place, and we'll do also do a live movie watch together, uh, where we're going to watch a movie that we reviewed a long time ago, a crazy film called Pieces. Uh, is going to be the film. So you've got about a month or just under a month at uh, the time this goes up to get your own copy of that, assuming it's not on Shudder, which I think it may be actually. I think it's on Shudder, but uh, or uh, Amazon know, Prime or whatever. Yeah, I know it was on Prime for a little while. I don't, I don't know if it's still there, but yeah. if it's, uh, if, it, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, if it's not, you've got a month to track down your copy. But yep. yeah, so we're going to do a live th- uh, viewing of, sh- uh, of pieces um, after some you know typical hour or two hours of Q and A, whatever it may be. So it'll be a fun night. That's Monday, the twenty first of October. Um, so hopefully we'll see you then. Sure, UK fans are 
<laughs> Very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, horror fans are night owls by nature. They should just accept it's it. True. <laughs> just accept it. They'll be there to watch the next day if they want to <laughs> watch it back. It's fine. Right. It's fine. <laughs> well, Tim, if you'd offered like a nice afternoon stream, we could uh, done it. But yeah, we don't want to do that. We want to do, what, 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 late night. Want to be Halloween yeah. themed, <laughs> right? That's true. Uh, so yeah, we're um, going to talk about Carrie, and I almost started as I said that because I kind of second guessed myself. But yes, <laughs> I thought you were doing a Friday Thirteenth thing. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just it's all a little bit sick, and my voice it's all a bit it's it's not like super hard to speak, but every so often like the back of my mouth just kind of like makes it difficult to end the word, and I'm having to kind of you know what you need to do pause you need and to plug it up. <laughs> plug it up, you see. Yeah, and I think we've got another recording after. So I'm going to get a hot drink for the last recording I've got after this, but. Uh, Right now, we're going to have it carry Stephen King book, of course, which only came out uh, two years before this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Ca- you know, Carrie was only two years old as a, as a book when the movie came out. Yeah. Uh, you got Brian De Palma as the director, who this is still relatively early in his career as well, and he he made this film. And uh, Carrie, if you're unfamiliar with the plot, it is about a teenage girl who is very sheltered uh, by her overly religious mother, and she has telekinetic abilities which comes to a boiling point when her classmates play a practical joke in her at prom and i'll leave it there i feel like it's almost pointless not to spoil this one because everyone knows the sure. end of carrie but for, i'm yeah. going to go through the motions i'm going to just like for the sake of anyone who is avoiding it i'm going to yeah be nice about and, it. and it's one of those things where even if you haven't seen it you've probably seen it like parody in pop yeah. culture like millions of times um yeah crazy it's a yeah, King's first book, and man, it's it's great. And he almost didn't uh, publish it. It's uh, I've heard the story. Know, he, I've heard the story yeah, you're about he, to tell. Yeah. He like, th- yeah, he uh, you know wrote it, and then uh, actually think he he threw it out, and his like wife <laughs> like picked it back up and was like, hey, no, what are you doing? This is good. You should uh, publish this one. Yeah, um, I, I think he hadn't finished it. I think she forced him to finish it. No, this is good because he felt oh, yeah, self-conscious. Because like, oh, what, what? I mean, you know, I'm like, I don't know what age he was at the time. I'm like a thirty-year-old guy or whatever. Yeah. Like, what, what am I doing? I don't know anything about you know teenage girls puberty. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. write this book. And he's basically like, no, no, it's good. Finish the damn thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to talk about Carrie. Uh, so. Yeah, that's the that's the premise. I guess I guess we'll just I'll just ask the question, Tim. <laughs> uh, do you like Carrie? This in particular, this movie version of Carrie. Yeah, because there there have been it's surprising how many like different versions uh, there's been. Uh, but yeah, I, I I like this a lot. This is uh, very very uh, well done <laughs> film. Um, you know the story in general, I, I think is good. Uh, you know the book's really good, um, and it's a you know pretty faithful adaptation. Like. Uh, I don't think there's really anything necessarily different. Uh, you know, it's just maybe a few stuff that's like left out uh, yeah. more than anything. Isn't the, uh, the, uh, the very final scene new for the movie? Which doesn't, which doesn't uh, change the, the end of the story. It's just a little scene at the end, right? Oh, that like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that little, like whatever sting, last yeah. sting thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's new. It doesn't really change uh, anything. It's just, you know, this little extra yeah. scare moment. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I think it's great. Uh, I, rewatching this, I mean, I think, and you know, you know maybe uh, you know, film buffs might get on me uh, for this. Uh, if, if I have like one tiny complaint, I do think it's like a little dated. Like, it, I don't think necessarily makes it bad or 
then it means it needs to be remade. But every now and again, there's some stuff that feels like super 70s in it. Like, you know, there'll just be like a little like music thing where it's just like, and it's like, <laughs> you know, the, 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 this definitely does feel like a little, you know, bit of the time. But it's always you know, time. Yes. I... Yeah. But it, it, it definitely doesn't necessarily like make it like bad or whatever. And, uh, uh, and, you know, I think the performances are really great. You know, like Sissy Spacex, uh, you know, amazing. Um, you know, the person that plays, uh, you know, her mother's great. Uh, uh, Paper Laurie, know. who I, I was wondering where I knew her face from. She's uh, mm-hmm. Catherine Twin Peaks. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah. No, like I, everyone's really great. Even like, you know, John Travolta, I think does like a, you know, good job. Uh, so, yeah. How could you not? How could you not mention a Nancy Allen, who is <laughs> is a fantastic actress from the era, um, and also PG Souls, who's in Halloween. Oh yeah, of course. She's <laughs> yeah, got, she's always great. She's always wearing a hat in this. So that's like her characteristic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I, I think it's a it's really good, um, and I like it. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Are we done? Okay, thanks for watching, guys. I will see you next time. We'll after midnight. Um, yes, I like it a lot too. I actually agree. There's a lot, of, a few dated kind of elements to it, um, but for the most part, it's really solid. And I think you know, I was enjoying watching it again. But it's the final like thirty minutes when it hits that where it really becomes something special. And yeah. I think uh, I was like, oh yeah, this is why this movie's so good again. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I was enjoying it well enough until that point, but I, I think. Yeah. Um, what one of the little techniques that I don't like in the movie, and it's something—it's not specific to this movie, but it's something that I just don't like that some movies at this time use. I, I know Brian De Palma used it a few times, and I like him as a director a lot in this era. Uh, you know, his, his stuff at the the you know in the eighties especially, I really like. But uh, it's this split focus effect where they've got a long yeah. lens and both sides of the screen are in focus, but you could kind of see this line in the middle where the focus where because you know, the background should be blurry based on like who's in focus in the foreground. But you can see this line where it sort of goes out of focus and into in focus because then the second half of the screen is in focus for the character. In this movie specifically, it's in the it's in the classroom. You've got um, Tommy at the front and you've got uh, Carrie up at the back, and they're both in focus. And it's really weird. It's just it feels so unnatural to me. It's like, it's like against the rules of cameras <laughs> that it feels. And obviously, there's a technique to do it. That's why it's happening. But it just it feels I don't know like unnatural to me in a way that I don't like. Um, oh, okay. Oh, for a second, I thought you were talking about like you know towards the end when like there's literally oh, split like screen. a split screen. Oh yeah, yeah no. No. split focus is. is all, I'm not oh, talking yeah. about split screen. Yeah, split screen. Okay. Split screen. I don't necessarily like want it in a lot of movies. I think it works fine in this movie when it comes in. I I think there are I I I think there are parts uh, that it works really well. And there are other parts that I feel like is like eh, maybe you didn't need it for this scene. Um. I mean, it's really mostly, you know, like, just, like, obviously, like, just, like, kind of, you know, that last big set piece. And I think there's some instances where it makes it look really cool, and then other instances where it's like, ah, eh, maybe didn't need it here. But uh, I, I know what you're talking about, though, that specific scene, like, in the classroom, because it did, uh, you know, obviously, I didn't know your fancy term for auto-focus. <laughs> oh, ooh la la. Uh, but it did stand out to me. as like, oh, this, this does look kind of weird, but it didn't really bother me fancy term it's literally just the same as split screen but it's focus instead of screen because it's the focus that's split oh my god it's like the most rudimentary way of getting to it as possible i don't even anyway uh so yeah and so the movie the movie is obviously it's got a very dreamlike quality to it it's, it's almost like it's smeared vaseline over the camera lens at, at points yeah 
the way it looks. It's got, it's got that very specific look. Uh, I think the movie, of course, the story itself is a very specific story. It's dealing with a lot of things, much like you know King feeling nervous about even writing it because it's you know it's, it's about female puberty. Is, is it something that he can really write about? And I think what's interesting about this story is it's, it's very much about the pressures um of being a woman and very much about like what's expected and what the you know the whole idea of carrie's mother being this over-religious person because she's terrified of being this sinner or her daughter being this sinner and i think what's neat about it is that this movie is very much about the pressures and the stigma of everything that goes along with being a woman but there's other than some small characters all of the all of the people who actually enforce this in the film are also women which I think is a very interesting lens to kind of put it through that, yeah, sure, there's the teacher at the start who kind of gets her name wrong, and that's a big deal, and that, you know, it's notable that that kind of comes up again, and she hears, that she has like a sort of memory of that moment, uh, a very pivotal yeah. point uh, towards the end. But what I'm saying is that it's interesting to me that the film chooses to kind of like, okay, obviously these pressures are largely due to the, the patriarchy and the, the male part of the world, but it doesn't necessarily focus it through that lens where oh, we're seeing a lot of men kind of like demand things or do, do this or do that. It's all about how the other women around her have all these preconceived notions and judgments based on what they're expected. So they just kind of fit into the mold. And because Carrie doesn't fit into that mold, they mistreat her. You know, the, the, the high school girl's bully or her mother demands things of her and says, no, you shouldn't be a sinner. You should be this, you should be that. You know, and it, obviously the opening scene kind of like just gives you this visual of it, this this uh, this, this very stark scene. I mean, I guess we can talk about the opening scene uh, in spoiler free because it's kind of the, the setup of the movie. But sure. uh, Carrie right. gets her first period very late, you know, as well. I think for you know most most people are are getting their first period about what from ten to like twelve, ten to thirteen, uh, kind of. Uh, You're an prob- expert, Tim. Yeah, pr- <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh that, that sounds about right so. <laughs> i no, like I, I do think yeah that is like a specific thing that they bring up in the book bo- in the in the book that it's like yeah she she is getting this like very late yeah um uh, she because she's very repressed not that, not that being repressed necessarily means your body will physically kind of follow suit but in this case it has yeah. and we have this scene where because she starts freaking out with the with the, with the, the discharge where she she thinks she's bleeding and she's she's dying and she's asking for help. They all start laughing at her and and it's, it's literally a scene of them all throwing tampons and pads at her <laughs> and saying yeah. plug it up, plug it up, uh, while laughing hysterically. And I was actually thinking during this scene because you know I've seen the movie before, so I'm not like just I'm not in the shock of it. Um, uh, obviously though, the way the camera moves through the scene in slow motion is a lot of these girls are full frontal nudity, kind of galloping in slow motion. I'm like, alright, the palm up, we get it, you're a bit sleazy, <laughs> right? We get it. Um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that no girl's locker room in high school has ever felt this magical um, in the history sure. of the world. Yeah. It also it feels like such like a like a, a relic thing, like um, how like it... Uh, like we didn't uh, like when we took gym and stuff I don't, I don't remember what we did but i don't think we had to like shower afterwards yeah like, we didn't we, yeah we didn't either because there was actually a shower room in our like sort of pe area that was never used and it, clearly it was something that was used at some point you know yeah. back in the day but it was never something we used but just like whenever uh, i see that in movies or something it just like you know the idea of having to do that with people around you and just knowing like everyone's already like super nervous and like you know kids in high school would be so cruel like uh you know 
the uh, the idea of having to do that just sounds like horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no like, I, I'd never get made to do it in school. I, I feel like it's something that probably has been kind of phased out, whatever it was a thing, yeah. uh, for probably obvious reasons. If I recall correctly, it was just a case of whack on some deodorant and just hope for the best afterwards until you got yeah, home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like we, you did have to like you know change you uh, would have to change your clothes, so you yeah. have like you know special like you know. PE clothes or whatever, but then yeah, you just kind of really layer on the deodorant and <laughs> hope that's enough. Um, Joe's funny to me actually is that I feel like whenever I see in movies and stuff, American high schools obviously don't have uniforms. That's not a thing that they, that that you have, but you do. Most movies seem to have like PE uniforms. They'll have like gym clothes that all match, and I'm like, this that's is true, weird to yeah. me. Why, why are the gyms in uniform? Why not just have a t-shirt and shorts? Why does it matter that those have school colors on them? It's, yeah. I don't know. Weird. That's a good point. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen a place that has. It. I mean, maybe like private schools or something might have them. But I think private schools do. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's never really a thing. Um, I mean, one one of the things uh, I really love uh, about King that I think he does uh, so well, and um, uh, unfortunately, I don't think like uh, some of the like later movies have captured it great. But King writes a great bully. Like he mm. like uh and and obviously I think it you know translates well to this movie but he just really knows how to like um make these like scenes like with bullies and like you know a lot of this classroom stuff that just really like you know uh makes you cringe and really feel for the character and it's like oh, that it's like a it's like such a, a a train wreck and like a, a nasty scene that you don't want to watch but you're also like drawn to it like it's like so uh, awkward. <laughs> what uh and yeah i think this like opening scene like yeah does it really well and then obviously like yeah throughout the movie she's getting bullied and yeah. stuff and so yeah here's here's uh, the thought i was having during this opening scene though does this top from halloween 4 and he's an orphan and he's an orphan <laughs> i think it's a difficult comparison because on the one hand yeah this this feels a lot more vicious because she's naked she's been taunted she's terrified um yeah but obviously like you know the, the eight-year-olds in halloween 4 wouldn't be in that position like mm. there is something especially cruel about saying "ha ha, your parents are dead." Essentially, is what the the, yeah. the message of that is. So I was just like, "Yeah, maybe this is worse. Maybe them all yelling plug it up' um, <laughs> uh, is is worse." I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. But it, it it just might be, and especially since it's like, uh, you know, it's like everyone's doing it. Uh, yeah. Which I, I I do like the um, uh, the I I forget uh like the one character that ends up like being like kind of good that um is you know let uh, ask tommy to yeah like, yeah you know take her out is that is, uh, that, sue? is that sue yeah I, I think it's sue yeah like uh, i i do like that she actually like comes around later and is like um uh, like realizes like what what they did is messed up um uh, yeah, you because know, uh, I, I think it's like a nice little change. Like it feels like, oh yeah, like no, I think there are definitely people that you would get caught up in a moment like that, and then afterwards be like, geez, like <laughs> that was messed up. Yeah, what, 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 yeah, what did I just take part in? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think like especially like you know, think back to like high school and stuff where you know, again, there's like so much pressure. Everyone's like awkward and trying to fit in, and no one wants to be the outcast. And then it, it's so easy to you know jump on someone uh and then later you and i i think you know that's what you see like you know with people like our age when they're you know they look back like you know oh man like i was such a dick to that one person like oh like <laughs> why would i do that or yeah. something that like, like i was saying like all, all the major characters in this this movie are are women and obviously the, t- the two exceptions you're going to give me here are tommy and uh john travolta's character but even both of those both good and bad 
they are being asked to do things by other women. Like they're being asked, you know, like Tommy's asked by by Sue to take her to the prom, and uh, Travolta's been asked by by Chris Nancy Allen's character to to you know to do the things that he's doing. Um, so all of the the forces for good and evil in the movie are coming from from women. They're, they're coming from uh, Carrie's mother or uh, Miss uh, was it Collins, not Cornell Collins, uh, who's the the gym teacher who's like trying who's kind of looking looking out for her, like. Everything is being pulled, and it's so it's a, it's a very feminine movie in the sense that it, it very deals with, it very much just deals with the forces that are feminine pulling her in either direction, or not pulling her. That's maybe not the right phrase, but uh, tr- trying to help her destroy her essentially uh, from either place. So uh, I think that's a very interesting um, setup for the movie. Um, yeah, certainly. But uh, yeah, so obviously uh, performances are good. Um, you know, it's uh, the camera work is also very good. The direction is very solid for the most part. Like I say, there's that one split focus moment. Uh, there's one or two like moments where, uh, like he's maybe doing a little bit too much. But for the most part, it's a really good looking movie, and the moves yeah. feel really good. And I think because it feels so dreamlike, when the shit hits the fan, and it stops mm-hmm. feeling dreamlike, it really feels h- harsh. It feels like all of a sudden we've walked into a nightmare. Because one of yeah. the things we are saying, of course, is we're not spoiling the ending. Is that what makes this a horror movie? Well, <laughs> we'll get to that. Spoilers. Um, yeah. uh, although that said, I want to mention the music actually. Is I think there's some really good music in this, but I think there's also some uh, like because there's sort of the main theme, which is quite good, which is kind of sweet but bittersweet at the same time. Uh, but there's also a lot of sharp like psycho knockoff strings at yeah. points. And yeah. uh, whenever she uses her telekinesis, it's like a da 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 kind of kind of thing. And I'll be okay. I get it. I get it. The Palma, you like Hitchcock. I get it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. Like it, it definitely works in here, but it's. Uh, I mean, especially since we, um, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, it's not come out yet. The the order is all crazy, but you know, just rewatching all the Psycho movies, it, uh-huh. like, very fresh in my mind. And uh, yeah, being feel. Now, time you just spoiled the Psycho movies are coming soon. What dare you? Oh, people! Oh, people know what we're doing. Because <laughs> right, they're stuck in my letterbox. <laughs> yeah, I always think about that. Like after, like I watch a movie, I'm like, uh, maybe, should I read this on letterbox? And I'm like, uh, but then maybe I like, give it away. But I'm like, uh, well, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 although with some, depending on what who I'm recording with, I'll sometimes not rate something on letterbox until after I've recorded the review, at least just so the person I'm recording with doesn't know how I feel about the movie. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <clears throat> I, I know they check. I know they check. Of course. Oh yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the first thing I do when I wake up. Yeah, yeah you're not even kidding. That, that Selica was a joke. He was not joking. He does that when he wakes up. It's very important to him. Yeah, so I, I like to get mad at the start of the day. <laughs> you get mad. I've seen some of your crazy ratings on there. <laughs> Five stars for Hellboy. Are you absolutely mad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love owning it on Blu-ray because I just watch it whenever I want. It's a good feeling. Ah <laughs> oh, dear. dear, 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 dear. Um, so yeah, that that is the the gist of Carrie. Uh, we'll give you the spoiler warning, I think, now, so we can talk about the film in more detail and go into the plot and what happens. So, uh, full spoilers for the movie. Although, of course, before we start the spoiler section, I will tell you right now about Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV, where you can support us for as little as one dollar per month. And for that $1 per month, you get access to an exclusive bonus episode that is only on Patreon uh, for a $1 patron to it up. 
and that'll just cost you one dollar and it is worth mentioning that in october because of the october thon you're getting four exclusive episodes in october so um very really good time to jump on jump on board uh, but of course there's a back catalogue of all the previous exclusive episodes and you get exclusive episodes of some other shows that i do on on the on the channel with uh the other guys so um go go and uh go and have a look and at the five dollar tier you get to vote on uh, an episode once per month and the higher tiers you get your name at the end of videos and things like that so go and have a look see and see if you want to help support all the content that we we put out especially in october where we're putting out like 31 episodes in <laughs> 31 days uh because we're mad and crazy uh it might even have been more than that if if uh tim's like hey this this movie i just watched we should do it and i'll be like okay you crazy yeah. man <laughs> It may happen, happen but <laughs> it may happen. Uh, so yes, uh, the idea of me uh, watching more movies uh, that would probably be good for the show will ha- uh, that will happen. But the idea of me uh, doing more work for myself will probably not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm spying on him. I don't always watch it in case anything comes comes relevant. Um, so. Yes, that is uh that has been that's just had an idea. I'll talk to Tim about it afterwards. Uh, oh dear. Uh, yeah. Tim Tim's scared now. Whenever I get an idea, Tim gets really worried. because uh, it means more work. But uh, yeah, so let's talk about Carrie. Let's talk about Carrie and let's talk about the, the prom massacre and everything mm-hmm. that, that leads up to it and it happens. So it's a weird movie to talk about because I feel like the first hour of it is kind of one blurry kind of build up obviously there's some notable scenes sure. in there uh you know we meet her mother for the first time she gets trapped in the closet or uh where sue asks tommy to ask her out to the prom and she says no at first and he's very persistent and tries to talk her into it and it would almost feel like uh too aggressive if it wasn't for the fact that it never plays it off like it's, it's not like a guy who asks a girl out and gets gets a no who then yeah. won't take no for an answer it always comes off as no, she's saying no because she's so antisocial and shy. So I'm, I'm intentionally trying to like sort of get her to break out of her, her shell. And that's not to say that he couldn't cross a line and still be too invasive with it. But it always comes off as kind of well intentioned. Oh no, I, I think Tommy is actually like a, a really good guy, and it's nice that they have like the you know the little scene with them in the classroom. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, she mentions that he likes his poem, so it does give him like a little bit of a you know, a reason other than like, you know, he's not just like, Oh, will you go? Like, and you know, she's like, why? And was, uh, I don't know. It's like, it's like, Oh, well, like you like my poem, which I, I think he actually did, you know, like that. She liked it. And even though, uh, even though he plagiarized it, it wasn't his, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, here's like the big thing though. I never, uh, you know, from watching the movie and reading the book, I'm never really very clear on, on this point, which, uh, you know, I'd like to, you know, get your, um, what you think of it so i mean obviously you know he's doing this as like you know a favor to his girlfriend asks him you know because she feels bad and everything uh but then by the end of the movie once they are you know they're together they're dancing they're they're laughing you know they share a kiss and everything like do you think he is actually potentially falling for her or do you think he is still just being like a oh i'm a good guy here uh you know i'm helping get this person out of their shell and kind of you know, doing something nice for this person that wouldn't have gone to the dance or whatever. Because I, I, I feel like sometimes they want want you to kind of feel like, oh, like this, there could be something uh, there, which uh, I, I'm not against that idea, but it does feel like, uh, you know, kind of fast, you know, uh, for something like that to happen. 
Yeah, I never, I never quite got the impression that he was really falling for the end. But the arc for him, I think, is that he is still he's a bit of a douche at first. You know, when he's first asked to do this by Sue, he's like, "Oh, really?" Um, <laughs> you know, and then you know, Miss Miss uh, Collins finds out about it and is like, "This better not be some practical joke." This, you know, and, and Sue's like, "No, no, no, seriously, I want her to ha- to go and like sort of open up and have a good time and whatever. Like, I want I want to do this for her kind of thing." I think by the time he's with her on the dance and he's taking her there and they're sitting at a table and he's like saying she's beautiful and stuff and he's dancing with her because there's that great shot where the camera's spinning around them as they're dancing and it's yeah. kind of like the, the the culmination almost of all the build up um, to, to to this this night. Um, you know, he seems like he does generally say, you know, you're actually quite a nice person and I don't know if it's necessarily that he's falling for her in like a, a like full on romantic way but I think it's like him realizing, though, she's actually a pretty decent person, and she deserves to have this. And it's the, you know, I think that's when he truly believes that this is you know, why Sue asked him to do this. Like, it's not just, yeah, I'm doing this because my girlfriend asked me to. Um, so, like, yeah, it is of an arc there. I, I, but I never quite bought that it was like, oh, he's actually in love with her now. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like potentially, like. And if it is, it is kind of weird because then it's like, uh, was he gonna leave his girlfriend then? Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, but I do think like maybe there's at least a, a little bit of a spark of him being like, oh, you know what? Like, hey, this girl isn't that bad. Like, she's like pretty cool, and um, which uh, which I think is nice. Like, uh, I I I did like that he, because um, you know, I think there's like another way to go with the character where it could just be him very like hesitant the whole time, just be like all right fine i'll do this and then yeah. not talking to her but he is like genuinely like you know very nice and to her and does feel like he at least cares about her maybe it's not specifically a romantic kind of thing yeah. but and uh, to be fair to me even, like when he, even when he's more apprehensive early on he never acts that way in front of her when he's asking her out he he, he goes at 110 percent. like he makes sure it sounds as nice as possible yeah you know so um yeah but that's i think that's fair i the, the the I mean the build up has a lot of stuff in it, of course. You know, we see Carrie use her ability a couple of times. Um I do like how she smashes the mirror and when her mum comes up to check what the noise was, the mirror's like went back up. And it's still cracked obviously from where it where it broke, but she's put it back up into the into the frame. Yeah. And it's like, okay, clearly we didn't see that because visual effects and the budget probably wouldn't have allowed for it. But I do love that, like, it really suggests a, contr- a level of control that we didn't see yet. Because we saw her, like, you know, move the ashtray or, like, blow the light bulb earlier on. But this was like, no, you have to have been controlling it pretty well to put all the pieces of glass back in place with your mind. Like, yeah, <laughs> that took skill. Yeah, and it's kind of cool, like, to see her, like, discovering her ability. Especially, like, uh, you know, she, she seems like someone that just has, like, <laughs> such a bad life. Uh and it's kind of nice to see her actually like, get excited when she kind of starts like learning more about this. Uh, although I do think it is kind of like a like a, a cheesy scene when she's in the library learning like telekinesis. Like that's totally fine, but like the fact that she says everything out loud so slow <laughs> is kind of like weird. <laughs> I think that's a <laughs> like, movie she, thing. She's reading. Yeah. Oh no, definitely for yeah. sure. Like yeah, I'm sure they're just like oh we got to make sure people get it, but. Uh, it's like really like who would go to a library like find something and just read it out loud and then even if you are going to read it out loud she's so slow with it which I guess it is just so the camera can follow it and like yeah. you know keep up with it but uh, it's one of those movie things yeah absolutely uh, and you know Marl doesn't want to go she keeps trying to stop her from leaving and but at this point yeah. Carrie's like no she shuts you she shuts the door over her mind and her mom's like no oh, you've got the devil in you this is Satan he's working through you and she's like that's not a devil it's me and this is where the, the themes of like because obviously her mother immediately, when she has her period, is like, ah, you've become a woman now, you've sinned. 
Yeah. You must repent. Oh, you've been asked to the prom. Yes. Once once that's happened, the boys can smell it and they, they come crawling to try and find out where the smell's coming from. He says all these kind of really harsh <laughs> things yeah. about uh, attraction, basically. But she, you know, she, she's, she's very kind of adamant. And then once she reveals that she's got this power, she's like, oh, no, the devil's working through you. You have to, like, never use it. You have to, like, hide it. You know, the metaphor here is quite obvious like this. Like, oh, you can't actually, you know, like from a moral's perspective, you can't be a woman. You can't use your feminine attributes. You can't do any of this. You can't use this because it's dangerous and it's wrong and it's this and it's that, which yeah. you know, is, there's this fear mongering. It's this, this, this attitude of her. And of course, we find out a lot about her mother that, um, like, you know, her father left, you know, Carrie's father left, uh, abandoned them. And Carrie, Carrie, like, is pretty well adjusted to it. It's like, oh, he left with a woman. He ran off. It's not the devil. Like, calm down yeah <laughs> and she's like no, no 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 he left he he did what he did and he left but of course by the end of the movie she admits that she liked it that she's like no no he looked down at me and he, his hands were all over me and i i, I loved it i sinned like yeah. you know so it's, it's this little guilt that she has and it's you know you, I think you can maybe look at all the specific things like oh yeah so her religion's maybe like part of the problem here for her specifically or or so on mm-hmm. and so on but um she goes to the dance and of course we see throughout the film the build-up of, of Chris making John Travolta uh, agree to this plan, whatever it is, because she's pissed that because of the the, uh, the, the, the humiliation in the locker room, uh, the girls are all punished by the gym teacher to, to gym detention. And Chris <laughs> refuses to go uh, after, after. She goes for the first little bit, but she sort of leaves in a huff. And she's not allowed to go to prom because of this. And she basically takes, takes this as a vendetta on Carrie. Like, this is Carrie's fault. Yeah. And... She arranges this plan to get pig's blood and pour over Carrie at the prom. Um, once she finds out, of course, that she's going. And here's so here's an interesting scene. So the, when we first meet John Travolta, they're in the car together, and <laughs> you know she's put on makeup and he's like talking to guys in other cars and girls who drive past, and then eventually a cop and whatever. And they go to like a drive-in movie or something, and they're in the car, and she's trying to convince him to do stuff. After all about fight, she starts. She goes downstairs and she's starting to give him a blowjob. What 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 strikes me odd about this scene is just how much talking Nancy Allen does, whilst apparently giving a blowjob. <laughs> she's like, Billy, <laughs> Billy, Billy. I'm like, that's a lot. I mean, that's already a lot of talking. Billy, I've got something I want you to do for me. Billy, Billy. And it, it ends in a funny way because she's the scene ends with she's still down there. She's like, I really hate Carrie White, and he's like. Just carry away, and it cuts. Like, yeah. You know, um, it's a really, it's a really, it's a yeah. funny scene. It's a funny scene. Yeah, that's funny. I, I like when they're driving, and his friends like are driving next to him, and they just throw him a beer between cars. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was great. Uh, also, he I mean, can, also he drills all over himself as he's drinking it. He's just got beer down his chin. Yeah, <laughs> as like the cops like drive by yeah. and like look at him, uh, and. I don't know, like, uh, man, John Travolta is like a weird guy. He, he's not always good, but when he's good, he can, he can actually be like quite a, you know, uh, quite a presence. Like, I think, you know, he's not in this movie a ton, but like, I think the few scenes that he's in, like, he, uh, you know, does really good. I think this uh, young Travolta here is uh, was a uh, pretty cool to see. Mm. Um. So yeah. Uh. So they've got this plan, and we see a lot of prep for it. They're going to like uh, actually, because John Travolta actually hacks a pig to death. Like he actually just hacks a p- yep. pig to get the blood. Probably more than I one. I feel bad for it. <laughs> oh yeah, it has to be a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um. So 
and they've got this plan. They've even got someone like to to rig the votes for the the prom queen, uh, which is obviously part of the plan as well. And you know, like obviously one of the things this movie does is that it treats the prom like this magical thing that every teenager is like dreaming about and wants to go to. Like you know, we carries there like Miss College is talking. Oh, you'll always remember this night, your prom. You know, I went to my prom and it was magical. And she's like, oh yes, I love it. It's very nice. And you know, it gives me this feeling and like. Yeah, I don't remember it feeling that special. <laughs> I don't remember it being a big deal, but whatever. I, 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 there were definitely people in my school that felt like that. Um, mm. Yeah, it, I, it, it was not something I was looking forward to, probably because I was like, uh, I mean, I was single at the time, which if you're single, and especially when all your other friends have dates, it's uh-huh. definitely not a fun thing. Um, but... Yeah, prom sucked. I remember, like, I, I remember, like, feeling, like, so much peer pressure to go and be like, I don't want to go. Like, why? <laughs> this is stupid. And then, uh, lo and behold, it was. Uh, but, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think some people, like, especially back then, it probably was maybe more of a thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not one of those movie, movie things that don't seem to be, like, like, movies will still do it. Sure. Even though... It's maybe yeah. not as, as big as a deal as it once was. It's the same with their uh, trick-or-treating at Halloween. I feel like that's died out quite a bit over the years, but movies will still have trick-or-treating as if everyone still trick-or-treats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I love doing that as a kid, but I think, uh, yeah, nowadays, I uh, I mean, this would be, like, my uh, first year, uh, like, living in a, you know, more suburban-y kind of area, so I am interested if we'll, if we'll get trick-or-treaters. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe I, we will, like- yeah. Yeah, I, I hope so, but because uh, I always like uh, passing out candies to to little kids. Uh, but uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! You always like what? Here, kiddies, come here, Uncle yeah. Tim. Here's your candy. Get your candy. <laughs> All unwrapped, of course. Uh, but uh... <laughs> but. Uh... I, I Actually, don't don't go, don't go trick or treat at Tim's house. He's just going to hand you out copies of Goldman. <laughs> hey, I, you know, just giving the kids what they actually want. Uh-huh. Uh, no one cares about candy anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, because I I lived in the uh, you know city uh, for like the last couple of years. I really never got anyone. But yeah, even without that, I don't know if yeah everyone's so worried about uh you know strangers. And, yeah, and people nowadays. like you. I don't know if that many people who like kind of candy <laughs> to little kids. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's weird. I don't know if it is much of a thing anymore. But anyway. Maybe we'll bring it back. Maybe we'll do a adult trick or treaters. No, I, I do have a really good idea uh, for a Halloween costume this year. Uh, so th- here's what sucks about being an adult. It's like you still want to dress up for Halloween, but you need mm-hmm. like an excuse to do it. So I have a really good idea for a costume that I want to do, but I need to make sure like someone's having a Halloween party or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I can't just get like a cool costume and then just like what sit on my couch <laughs> on Halloween. Like, I don't know. I was going to suggest you could do it for the stream, but then that would mean I'd have to dress up too. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> What? <laughs> I was gonna make fun of you for being a bad horror fan because why? Why would you not want to dress up for Halloween? Come on. Cause that's I'm not gonna put costumes together, all right? <clears throat> oh yeah, I'm horrible too. Uh, I 
Yeah, because like yeah, I go to like a lot of con convention stuff. I see like some of these cosplay. I'm like, man, I would I would love to cosplay. I mean, obviously I'm not in shape for it, so yeah. <laughs> I would have to do. But we also, uh, for the record, we can't really like we can't wear a mask because we'll be talking at a camera on a mic all night. We, you know, we can't sure. wear a mask while doing that. <laughs> so that rules out like so many costumes already. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. Maybe Tim will do something for you guys, but I'm, I'm not doing it. Maybe. I'll wear a Santa hat. That's what you get. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, she won't probably tell me. Come on. So, yeah. So, so Carrie was Prowl Creed and goes up. It's this magical thing. Everything's in slow motion. And what I'd forgotten about, because I hadn't watched it in a while, is how it really kind of like does the slow motion build to the actual moment happening where Sue's like backstage and then she, she notices a little rope and she starts to like come around and looks between the stairs and sees them in there like plotted scheming. <laughs> and like Carrie's walking up in slow motion. She sees the bug. Like all that stuff. Like I, I forgot how much of a slow motion build there was to the moment itself. Yeah. No thoughts on that. Okay. Um, so, of course, the moment... I, I did keep thinking, like, how long have these people been clapping? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, after a while, I would have been like, all right, guys, that's enough Actually, clapping. Okay, right? so we're almost at the bucket tipping over, which obviously is the big moment we're going to talk about. But I want to rewind for a second and just go, I want to go to the montage. There's like a montage just before the prom where we see a bunch of the characters, like, you know, getting ready, like some of the girls at the salon and some of the guys are renting tuxedos. Yeah. I want to talk about one weird choice in the tuxedo scene. I know where, what you're gonna say. <laughs> yeah, there's a moment in this scene where it's like there's three guys. It's Tommy and two others, and yeah. they're talking. You know, one guy's put on a tux. Uh, the, there's this one guy's like ah, nah, like it's too many ruffles. I don't like tuxes. I don't wear red tux. Um, and then it comes back, and then the second guy's got a tux on. It's like okay, right, so you got a tux too. Um, and for some reason, instead of just cutting to, to the next part of the scene they wanted, they do a speed up thing where it speeds yeah. up and it's, they speak like chipmunks for like, you know, yeah. 10 seconds. And it's like, and it, it just continues. And it's the only time yeah. in the whole movie where it does this. Yeah, it's a very weird choice. <laughs> very odd. I don't know why. It's very strange. Very strange. Just... It's one of those things like I always forget that that is uh, happening. But then when I get to the scene, I, I always go like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this moment, this weird moment. Anyway, so the, the the blood comes down, and everything goes silent. Just goes dead silent, and all the dreamlight music well, comes comes to an end. Well, well, uh, I'll argue with that. It's everything silent except for the you know constant like hitting of the bucket like against the like you know you hear. Oh sure. Kinda, uh, well, what like, I meant is is the, uh, the the noise of the crowd and the music all just yeah. go. Oh, yeah. Very hyper yeah, I, I love that uh, that like sound choice though. Like it just really like, yeah. Especially it's everything up until then. Like you said, I've been so slow and so dreamy and magical, and then just once everything is just cut away from that, you just left with like this, you know, stark reality and just the repetitive, uh, you know, beating of the bucket. Uh, I don't know if it's like just like against a wall or yeah. uh, scaffolding or whatever, but it's just uh, really, really, really effective. And there is this the slow hum that kind of comes in here as well, and. Uh... So the, the, the culprits do get away. Sue's outside the gym when this happens, but obviously Carrie, when people are trying to leave, starts slamming the doors, and this is where the split screen comes in. And what I love about this moment, actually, in terms of the filmmaker, is I love how it goes split screen so we can see her head do it, like, looking at things as things are happening. Yeah. And, it, you know, the lights turn red, and I love that, you know, it, you know, it moves her over to the left, and then she looks up, and then you see the lights change on the, the right side of the screen, and the split screen... And it's, it's got this nice like, sort of movement to it. There's a nice rhythm to the way yeah. like her head does something and we see the thing happen. 
and it's very you know she's bathed in red not just with the blood but the, the light as well i wonder if uh i wonder if that maybe might have inspired uh raimi a little bit because it does feel like evil deadish in, in a way you know like when someone oh, like but... looks at something real quick and you get like a little bit of a zoom it's another way of doing it but uh yeah i don't know i just wonder if maybe uh might have been inspiration for it and of course she starts taking control of things around the the building and starts killing people starts murdering yeah. them yeah then you got the, like uh you know she's a uh, like a uh, taking out like the fire hose and like you know spraying people and everyone's falling down like you know, uh, you know all the doors are barricaded and then you know the water mixes with like you know some stuff from the lights which uh you know starts like electrocuting some people and uh eventually you know, just, a fire starts yeah eventually <laughs> there's just parts of like, the building that just fall down on top of people and yeah. kill them I, oh and then and I guess we, and I think we forgot to mention too, but the the bucket ends up falling and hitting Tommy on the head. And yeah, uh, I always I always thought this was like a little weird, but like I, I don't know, like buckets aren't like that heavy, right? Like I I mean I guess maybe if it hits someone like on a weird angle and it's like well, a, I think it's the height it's falling from because the, the the higher okay. it's falling from the, the harder it's going to hit him. Okay. And as metal, yeah. it's not like it's just true. You yeah. know, you know, something soft and fluffy. Um, yeah. Because one of the things that um, we didn't mention as well is that, you know, in the moment where it goes silent and, you know, there's this, this sort of slow build where, like, it's, uh, PJ Soul's character starts laughing and she tries, she basically starts to, like, hit other people and start laughing as well. And, you know, the, the laughing starts. And then from Carrie's perspective, everyone's laughing, including Miss Collins, who obviously isn't. We know she isn't, but she sees that. Yeah. And she starts hearing things. She starts hearing uh, the flashbacks of her mother saying things, but also the teacher, the, the principal at the start of the movie, who yeah. kept calling her Cassie. And I think it's very interesting to use that, because he's such a minor character in the overall course of the film. It's very yeah. interesting to go all the way back to the start of the movie and go for when this guy just didn't care about her. This guy didn't understand her nor... Which, by the way, one of my favorite shots of the movie is when uh, Miss Collins is explaining what happened in the in the locker room to him. Um, oh, there's yeah. a shot where she like sort of, she's standing up and he's sitting down, and he notices a bit of the blood on her white skirt, and he sort of gets really yeah. uncomfortable. It's just a really nice little moment. I yeah. just I really <laughs> like that. He's it, basically the 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 embodiment of oh uh, women things. Oh, I can't talk about that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, periods. Uh, full moon. <laughs> some some you know. And uh, I like it. He has a, a little bit of a bigger role in the book, but uh, there's like a really good scene um, with him where he uh, is like talking to uh, the parents of uh, Sue, who's obviously like, you know, very rich and like hoity toity kind of uh, person who's like, you know, threatening to sue the school and like, you know, uh, for not letting her go to prom. And uh, and he actually like sticks up for uh you know the gym teacher and carrie and stuff and like you know sticks by his guns even though it probably means he'll lose his job because this you know rich powerful parents so it's more but, sympathetic uh, when he dies at the end yeah yeah definitely yeah. but i mean he still does have the thing where like he gets uh her name wrong so it's not like he's you know he's like, not perfect uh, yeah, yeah but it, it but it is but like you said though it's not like uh it's not like a malicious thing no like, he no just, doesn't know it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of nuanced in a way the, the idea same with tommy the idea that he's kind of ambivalent at first but then he kind of like comes yeah. around as the movie goes on it's just I, I think it's the idea that people are flawed and people aren't going to be perfect um yeah and i think the big thing with carrie though is that you know her mother keeps telling her oh, the devil's in you the devil's in you and it kind of yeah. goes back to that thing where she's told she's something often enough that ultimately she becomes yeah. it even though she doesn't have to be that thing um, and it kind of you know, again it goes into the idea of like say slut shaming someone. Now if you keep calling someone a slut, right, eventually yeah. they might become a slut because yeah. um, I've definitely heard of that happening. Obviously, again, not everyone who's called a slut becomes a slut, but it's that kind of idea of it's constantly reinforced that yeah. 
it, you can kind of become it. And that's it, kind of what happens with Carrie here. And obviously there's the whole idea of the rage and the idea of it, it bubbling up in the, the adolescence just kind of, you know, going extreme. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, like, and, uh, again, yeah, it's all just really done well, uh, in the scene. And then I do like, um, yeah, one of the first things, like, you know, that happens when she's like drenched in blood and like, um, again, it's all silent, but I like that you can see like Tommy, like yelling out at the crowd. Like he's like, yeah, he's sticking uh, up for her. He's, 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 he's yeah. angry that this has happened. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I like one of the, fr- I think one of the first things you hear, you know, uh, well, I forget if it's like maybe the first or the last, but when you start hearing, you know, the uh, her mother's voice saying, you know, they're all going to laugh at you. Like, yeah. cause, you know, that's what she was saying. Like before, you know, she left for the prom. And then uh, when that like starts repeating over and over again, and then again, it's silent. But just that in the bucket sounds just really, really. Um, I, I, I like what you were saying uh, about earlier before about how everything felt so dreamlike. It's such a quick uh you know, change to all yeah. of a sudden, like it feels very nightmare. <laughs> like, oh, it's absolutely nightmarish. And I, in fact, some of my favorite moments of this is probably the ending when the fire starts behind her and she's walking down yeah. with the fire behind her. Yeah. And yeah. as she walks out the building and behind her, it's just in flames. The music's yeah. there is really good. <laughs> it just it feels apocalyptic. Like they've really like created a monster, but it's a monster created by like society, oh, by yeah. others, yeah. by them. And I like though that even though it has been created by others, outside of her mother and like Chris. Like, most people around her, and maybe PG Souls, I suppose, as well, but, like, yeah. you have so much sympathy because Tommy sticks up for her. You can see that he's trying to help her, and then he gets knocked out. Uh, Miss Collins has been trying to help her all movie. Like you say, in the book, you get more with the principal to make you sympathetic towards him. Like, you actually feel sympathy for a lot of the main characters that we've met that we know enough to have an opinion on. Um, we actually... And even all the other, the other guys, you know, the tuxedo place, like... Those those uh guys like we never really get a lot up to like know they're assholes or good guys or whatever, yeah. but we just we know enough that like oh they're people and they're, they're getting slaughtered here for re- really no real reason. Uh, oh know. yeah, sure. So uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting that how much sympathy you have for some of these characters because it'd be very easy for this movie in the book as well, I suppose. But this even even adapting it, it'd be very easy for this movie to treat this like any other type of revenge movie where you just like make us hate everyone so that when she does this it's like cathartic it's like yeah kill them all like kind of thing yeah but it's not that at all it doesn't feel that way it feels kind of dark and sinister and kind of like you know but at the same time you don't you don't hate her for it either because you understand why oh no definitely yeah like there's uh like this it's kind of interesting that the like you know the people that are um bad to her though are like so over the top bad uh that like it almost kind of makes up for you know the other people that maybe are just like a little more ambivalent but you kind of get the idea of like yeah maybe the majority of the school and stuff isn't mean to her but they all feel like so ready to jump on the chance to uh like be mean to her because like you know the big instances um you know like uh the the locker room scene and then the yeah blood scene it's like uh you know, it, it's it's kind of like, you know, one person spearheading, you know, all these people laughing at her and pointing at her. But at the same time, like, you know, other than Tommy at the prom, like there's never really like, a person that's kind of like standing up and shouting the other people down. It's like the people are so, you know, willing to jump in and like, you know, just join that. And it is kind of weird. The um, the prom scene, like I again, maybe people might have been a little more cruel back then or something, but like. I feel like if that happened, like when I was in high school, like even if it was like someone you don't like, you'd still be like, 
wow, this is messed up. Like, yeah, yeah, most, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think there'd be a couple of assholes who would laugh, but they would in no way convince yeah. everyone else to laugh. Like, it just wouldn't happen. People, yeah. I, I, I'm happy to say this, there's a lot of crappy people in the world, but people in general are a little bit better than what movies make them out to be sometimes. Yeah. Um, like, because there's even for, a moment here, because the... like you said, it's kind of like PJ Soul spearheads the laughter. Before yeah. she does that, it does kind of feel like the, the moon in the room is actually just that of like, oh shit, that's yeah. yeah, what just happened? Like that's what it kind of feels yeah. like for for you know for that thirty seconds or whatever, and then PJ Souls kind of starts laughing. And I I almost want a version of this where they 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 don't slow it down and they let all the audio stay in just to hear her be the only one laughing because it would almost be funny <laughs> that she's the only one laughing for a, a moment. Actually, yeah, <laughs> that would be. Um, and then and for the record, though, I was going to say that that's not necessarily a, a complaint of the movie because obviously it's a movie. So, if, you know, that mm. stuff didn't happen, then like, you know, it, w- it wouldn't be as interesting a movie. Oh, yeah. So uh, well, but just a... <laughs> it's, it's a very allegorical film. It's, it's a film that's, you know, about something and it's, it's everything is kind of a metaphor for... <laughs> Uh, what people really go through. Hell, one of my favorite things of all time is the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and the whole idea of the Slayer is it's a metaphor for adulthood. And a lot of the stuff in this is a metaphor for, uh, you know, female adolescence and female sort of coming yeah. of age and all that kind of stuff. And I think, oh, and obviously, again, it's allegorical. It's not maybe taken literally. <laughs> just, just because we said, oh, we're sympathetic to Carrie when she murders everyone, that does not mean that in a real world situation, we think it's okay for sure. someone who's hard done by to kill everyone <laughs> at school. Because that yeah. obviously brings up very serious connotations. But part of the reason why this doesn't feel like uncomfortable, because it, 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 you know, it's, it's supernatural. This is like someone with a power doing something. This is not like, because you, totally, you could totally remake this movie and just have her pull out, you know, a gun. Like, you could. Like, that could be a version of this story. And it would be very uncomfortable and it would feel far too real. Um, oh, definitely. Whereas this gets to do it through a lens that makes it work. It makes it work as a piece of entertainment that has something to say, but does it in a way that feels like, okay, but yeah, no one's actually got telekinesis, so... <laughs> and never at any point feels like it's... it's hint. But it does have that dark kind of, like, apocalyptic vibe to it when she starts killing everyone. So... <laughs> And it was kind of funny. I, I did laugh because speaking of Buffy, we had just watched um, the well, we just finished uh, season three, and then uh, I think it was the, I think it was their prom episode or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they have the person that goes up and like makes a speech and, and thanks Buffy, and he says like, oh, like thanks to you, like uh, this year we had like the. Lowest, death uh, lowest mortality yeah. rate. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and then it, it, but I, I couldn't help but think about that during the scene. I was like, ooh, like what are they gonna say like during graduation? Like they're gonna have like you know five, ten people yeah. in attendance. Actually, the like... uh, what I like about that moment in Buffy is that it kind of bookends something because way, way back at the start of the season, um, in the episode and the first episode, there's a great shot in that first episode where. It's a big runner that follows all the students around uh, Sayadale High, and it's like you know Willow and Zadar leaving the library, and then it like follows to Cordelia, who's with her friends, and then we see Larry, uh, who's talking about the football team. And the scene, the scene's great because the whole point of it is it's very vibrant, there's a lot of energy because the camera's constantly moving, and then it cuts to Buffy in her like shitty apartment eating a can of something, and it's like it's to show how depressing her world is right now versus everyone else. The reason why I say it's like a nice bookhead is because in that scene, Larry. Uh, it's just he's talking to like one of his friends he's like all right if we can you know do this if we can you know do this you know i'm feeling good about this season this is football season if we can you know keep our heads down if we can work hard and if we don't have so many mysterious deaths yeah. sunnydale's <laughs> going to rule right yeah <laughs> so them saying that at the end of the season that uh, the prom is actually really funny that they kind of yeah <laughs> yeah 
Nice uh, I, I really yeah, it is like a strangely touching scene too because it, it's almost kind of like the opposite of carrie here where like um you know like where like buffy is like uh maybe not someone that everyone noticed but uh but like they do know that she's kind of different but in this way though it's like a well she's different in a way that protects us versus like a, yeah well i think you know, part of like th- that season for buffy is the idea that she she wants to be homecoming queen there's a whole episode about that she wants to do all these things and a lot of it stems from the fact that people can't just appreciate her for who she is. She has to try and pretend to be this normal person so that people will accept her that way. And the whole idea of her being congratulated and said, hey, we've kind of recognized that you're saving our ass like constantly. So yeah. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's, a nice, it's a really nice sentiment that season. Because obviously the end of the season two is like so dark, you know, comparatively. <laughs> so it's a nice upbeat ending for season three. Anyway, so Carrie goes home and uh, her mother's well, there. Uh, be- oh. Sorry. Before she goes home, though, oh, the car. as she's leaving. You're right, you're yeah. right. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the, the villains, uh, Chris and Travolta, uh, Nancy Allen and Travolta are in the car, and Carrie just flips it with her mind and kills yeah. him. <laughs> Done. Uh, probably, probably the biggest budgeted moment of the the, the, the movie. You know, the biggest stunt, certainly. Yeah. Uh, so she goes home though and I loved it because earlier on you see it was, it was like a little Christ doll in the cupboard that or, or, clo- or the closet that our mom <laughs> it's like a very going. weird creepy looking yeah. one uh, <laughs> like, it feels like a weird like like because uh, you know usually when you see like the Christ like a like if someone has like a you know Jesus statue or something in the house usually it looks like very like ornate or something like this yeah. feels like a weird like knockoff <laughs> you would buy at a flea market <laughs> So she carries mum and admits here, you know, this is where she kind of opens up and admits that she she liked uh, having sex and that she feels so guilty. And she's like, you were created and uh, this evil was created because of him and the sin that we committed and yada, yada, yada. Um, and she tries to kill Carrie to, to sort of stop the evil. And she tries to stab her in the back with her knife. And Carrie, like, you know, does get stabbed. She falls down the stairs. But she's not dead. And she fights back. And we get knives flying through the air, which basically crucifies her. She has, like, both wrists, like, yeah. knifed, like, up into the wall. And she gets, like, stabbed multiple times. And it, it kind of reminisces, because it actually cuts to a shot of this, this Christ figure uh, that's been, you know, crucified. And it's, it looks very similar. So... And then she brings the entire house down while they're still inside it, and that's kind of the end of her story. Very, very great scene. I, I love this scene. I, I always, everyone remembers the prom scene, but I always forget how good this scene is when she goes back home afterwards as yeah. well. Um, it really is a great moment. And the uh, and like even the earlier scenes at the house always feels like so creepy. Like uh, at like oddly enough, like even though a lot of bad stuff happens at the school, like the feel- school feels like a little more safe. Like whenever she gets home, it's always dark and lit by candles, and yeah, there's all like <laughs> this like you know kind of creepy religious icon uh, iconography around, um, and it just it, it really feels like proper horror. Yeah, and especially like you know this last little bit here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the the whole thing uh, just feels really kind of like. You know, she has kind of destroyed her daughter by, like, shelter the way she has her whole life. And now her daughter, through a, almost a self-fulfilling thing, because she believed her to be evil, is now going to destroy both of them. Like, you know, they've kind of destroyed each other, and it's this very kind of sad, like, ending to the whole thing. And obviously yeah. the one final moment is that Sue, who did survive, uh, is having nightmares. She has this nightmare of going to uh, the house and Carrie's hand coming through and grabbing yeah. her. Well, like the the whole house like collapses on itself, yeah. and then uh, uh, which in the book I uh, it has been a while since I uh, read it, so people can correct me if I'm wrong. But I think uh, what happens in the book is she kind of like calls down like 
rocks, like almost like meteors <laughs> or something from the sky that basically uh, come and destroy the house. Um, so they simplify that a little bit for uh, yeah. budget's sake. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think like the, uh, the two, uh, again, it's like a very, very faithful adaptation. I think maybe other than like a little more character stuff, which obviously, you know, you normally get in a book anyway. But I think like the big differences between the book and the movie are um, uh, one, the, the book is told through a lot of like, um, they have like a lot of uh, like interviews with people and stuff like uh, like after like the incidents happen. So you kind of get like this weird uh like a kind of myth building aspect of it where like a chapter will start off with like an like a someone being interviewed by like a cop or like you know like a newspaper clipping or something about uh, what happened and then going into it so it's almost like a there's like like a book version of like a found footage aspect mm. to it um but then also there is much more of a like um as she's walking back to prom she kind of like destroys like the whole city like it's not just you know, right, the prom yeah. and then back to the house uh, which I, I think uh, it's been a while since I've seen the the remake from like a couple of years ago but I think they get a little bit more into that yeah um, well I think you know there's no plans to do the Rage Carry 2 and the Carry remake mm-hmm. right now but I mean now that we've done the first one it'll probably go on kind of the near future list yeah. where we'll probably get yeah. to them uh, at some point um, I, I, I think I saw the Rage Carry 2 once on TV in like 2002 or something like that, or 2003. Yeah. You know, like I don't remember it at all. I remember I remember the main girl having like short dark hair. That is like the extent of my memory of that movie. Yeah, uh, I, I think there is a uh, uh, like a insane asylum kind of aspect of it. I, I think it might take place in one or something. Uh, but uh, I, I'm interested in, in revisiting that you know, that's it. Around to it. We did already review uh, Carrie versus Jason, uh, Friday the 13th, part 7. Uh, you can go find <laughs> yeah. a review of that. Um, I'm only half kidding. Uh, so, I think there's also a TV version? Oh yeah, there was a miniseries. Yeah, I never saw yeah. it, but there was like a TV miniseries, which I think was like two parts uh, the, 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 yeah. the story. I, I, I don't remember if I saw it. I'm, I must have, but I can't really... You know, think of it. I don't know if that's even available <laughs> to watch anywhere. I'm sure there's at least a DVD mm. of it somewhere. Yeah. If nothing it, else, it, it it's just it's funny though. Like one of those things that it's like a uh, you know it's a very simple story. It's uh, you know it's not very long. Like I think the book is maybe uh, might be like around 200 ish pages, uh, and uh, yet it's been like you know remade and redone so many times, especially when of you know. I guess like most things, the first version is the best. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah. Yep. Um, no, I will say I I got my Blu-ray around the time the uh, the remake came out because they got this new cover which is meant to look a bit more modern. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It always sucks when they do that. Um, yeah. It's not as bad as the. Uh, I mean, I don't have this version, but the uh, Near Dark DVD they really released mm-hmm. when uh, Twilight was a big thing. They had like a very Twilight oh, looking no. cover for it, and it was like, "Ah, yeah. we doing? It's a great movie, and you're selling it with that." Twilight pick. <laughs> Can't be having it. Uh, what's annoying is I have a, uh, I got the special edition Blu-ray, which I, I uh, think is from Scream Factory. But then, uh, I, you know, I like to be a completist. So even if like you know the sequel's not great, I would like to own it. But then, the as far as I know, the only version of the sequel on Blu-ray is like a, like a split movie where it's like a like it's like a two for one like carry and carry two uh-huh. but i think it's like also from scream factory and it's like why don't you just put out a regular version of the second one when 
you have a regular version of the first one and then i don't know it's because enough people won't buy it it's basically yeah. they, they can only shift carry to is making it a slightly more expensive version of the first one I, I, I could be crazy, but I feel like, uh, I mean, obviously, like with a lot of these things, like, you know, they're called cat classics, but I bet there is like at least a small little fan base for Carrie, too. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I guess I, I guess you can say that about like everything now. Like the Internet is so, you know, like specified that yeah. I, I feel like almost everything has like at least a little fan base. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's true. Um, except the boy, obviously. Uh, how dare you so yeah uh so no i mean that's basically carry i I think to kind of sum up i just like i really i really love when a horror movie has kind of something to say and i I think what makes this one work is that the characters are not two-dimensional there there are characters who are good and that are trying to help carry so it makes her fall from her negative influences all the more tragic because there are good forces trying to help her and they just lose because the the bad the bad influences from from Chrissy's bullying from her mother's controlling all of that stuff just doesn't work and also just the idea that her mother tries to abandon her and kill her you know she's just like, she's like oh basically she's like no i can't deal with you anymore and it's under this guise of like oh you're evil and i'm saving the world by doing this but ultimately it represents the idea of her being abandoned by her mother um and you know so like very tragic the whole thing is a very tragic story um and kind of a warning of uh basically be nice to people treat them better um <laughs> don't mess with peter don't mess with peter no don't i may have telekinesis <laughs> and if i don't i'll do it with my bare goddamn hands you hear me uh, so uh that is uh that is carrie hopefully you had fun with that discussion tim what are you rating carrie out of 10 uh, I'm gonna give it an 8.5. Uh, I, I think it's really, really good. It holds up. Um, I <clears throat> I was tempted almost to go up to a, to a nine. I I really like it, but again, I think just a few things are like the um you know just the kind of stuff that like sticks out to me. Like yeah, like the weird speeding up, <laughs> you know, during that one scene, or <clears throat> or just like you know every now and again like um this weird kind of like uh 70s music creeping in or like just like little touches like that that again aren't necessarily bad but maybe keep it from being like an evergreen classic uh to me but still really high score you know really yeah really no it's, it's it's great and I, I think i like it more watching it again and sort of reminding myself why it's good like i kind of like it more now than i ever have done uh i'm also i, mean, I think since the last time i watched this i've got a lot more into brian de palma i've seen a lot more of his movies from like because uh, Brian De Palma, like, if you ever seen Body Double or like Blowout, like he's made some great movies. Uh, yeah, and they're not really horror. They're more thrillers than horror. They're not really horror movies, but they're like well worth seeing. Yeah, I don't think I've seen too many of his stuff, but I mean, obviously he's a you know great director. Did he do a? Did he do a, a Hannibal Lecter movie? Was that him? No. Oh, okay. Who who did Manhunter? Or oh, that was Michael Mann. Who I also like. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I do like that movie uh, a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know why I, I thought that was him. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've seen much else of De Palma, but obviously good. Yeah. No, there's a lot of good stuff in his early days. Obviously, he got, he's one of those directors who got kind of, kind of worse once he hit like the 2000s or the late yeah. 90s. But uh, his 70s and 80s output is, is really good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it... Um, debating in my head i think i'm i think i'm going to agree with you and go with 8.5 i think as i was watching it um like in the first half i was like oh this this is pretty well done the, the, the directing is really nice and i was thinking kind of an eight and then i think the you know 
the, the real standout though is the the prom scene and then the scene at the house afterwards mm-hmm. and those really kind of sell okay this is why the movie's so good this is why this is what makes the movie is yeah. what it's been building to because it really has this 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 great feeling the direction really like you know sings at this point mm-hmm. so um 8.5 for me mm-hmm. uh, a few dated elements um and i do think he went a bit over the top with the dreamlike uh, sort of the blurriness that it, that it has at times I'm like this. This could really not be as sort of dreamlike looking, but yeah. again, mild, mild, mild things. Uh, so there you go. That's Carrie. Uh, that is that is big Carrie, <laughs> and we will be back uh, soon. In fact, let me just check something. I wanted just before I say something, I wanted to check if I'm right here because I think, I think, because um, we're recording this a little bit in advance, and I'm just checking. Oh, that's confusing. That's very confusing. I'm confused by something, Tim. Dear Lord. <laughs> okay, well, when you're if you're watching this when it goes out, is either either next week is is either next week's the start of the October thon or tomorrow's the start of the October thon, and I'm not sure what which it is right now. I'm going to have to like double check a couple of things that it's going to take too long to do it during the the, the episode. But either <laughs> next week or tomorrow's the start of the October thon, so. Be excited. Okay. <laughs> because you see, uh, Tim, October starts on a Tuesday and our regular episode goes out on Monday. So there'll actually be an episode like the day before the October thon starts. Oh, geez. All right. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, well, I, I mean, essentially people know the October thon will start October 1st. Yes, so. that's true. Yes. <laughs> They're aware of when it's starting. Yes. Um, so yeah if you're, if you're unfamiliar we're doing 31 episodes over 31 days four of which are exclusive to Patreon so you won't get every single one if you're not on Patreon at the $1 to Europe but um, 31 episodes uh, two will be our, our countdown that we're doing for the year in two parts and all two will be the results to your top 50 that you're voting for MFTV questions uh, send your top 25 or top 50 and there'll be a results show uh, based on everyone's everyone's picks um, and then the rest are obviously movies. Uh, so I think it's 27 movies, including the four Patreon episodes and uh, the four results and countdown episodes. So that is the plan. Plus one live stream on the 21st of October uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Sorry, 6 p.m. Pacific, <laughs> 9 p.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. UK. And we're going to watch pieces together uh, along with just some general chatting and general fun uh and maybe you know we'll maybe we'll do some other fun stuff that night i don't know maybe we'll have some ideas um or whatever maybe, maybe we'll have like a a super chat goal or something make tim do something silly what <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> if you give us that x amount of money by 10 p.m tim will like oh, do a, do a sure. performance of... Oh, I, I mean, if it's for money, sure. <laughs> That's what super chat is. Shame in that. Oh, okay. They can tip his money as we're live streaming, Tim. That's how it works. Ah, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Um, not that Tim's getting any of it. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Um, uh, t- Tim is paid in love. Uh, so. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even get that. I don't think. <laughs> I, I'm keeping a tally, Tim. I owe you a lot of love making. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> When I, when I see you in person, you, you can cash in. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, uh, that is that is the that is the plan. That is the plan. So uh, yeah, uh, as per usual, you know, like, subscribe. Let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments. Um, get us on the Twitters at Streams Midnight uh, for for rambles from both of us and fun stuff. Or you can get us individually, of course. I'm at Wibble eighty nine. Tim's at Tim Vergulish, and you can. Uh, uh, rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcast from uh, that helps us out a lot gives a nice 5 star rating uh, lets more people find us because Apple will recommend it or, or whatever more often so yeah uh, but I think that's everything I think I've said everything I need to say uh, so yeah so this is, this is a Patreon vote winner obviously there's other Patreon votes up right now the deadline's always the end of the month uh, there's a public vote as well for October, so make sure the public, you'll get the link in the description. Uh, that same vote, though, will be in your Patreon votes if you're a patron. So if you're a patron at the $5 tier and up, make sure you go and vote on everything uh, right before the end of the month. So, there's three movie votes, there's a subgenre vote. I've explained that a bunch of times, I won't do it again, but just go, remember to go vote. But that is us. That has been Screams After Midnight. That has been Carrie. Nice big movie to do. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies, guys, and we will see you next time time.